listener you're listening to episode 125 what's up y'all doing good me too me too not too bad i am happy to be picking the uh podcast up again i took some time off you know just because the world is collapsing um but it's important you know get back in the routine of things feels good getting to do stand-up again so that's exciting we're starting a new open mic on june 30th marshall's tavern used to be austin's pub it's supposed to be a weekly thing might do every other week i don't know but it'll be a tuesday night thing marshall's tavern so if you want to go watch some stand-up or um you know sign up and do some stand-up that'll be uh every tuesday night at marshall's tavern very excited to bring in a new mic hope it goes well on this episode, episode 125, I had on Brad Sanders and Jimmy Thompson, two very good dudes. Uh, known both of them a while. Awesome guys. Uh, we talked about uh, how they're both uh, former wrestlers. Well, Brad's still a wrestler. Jimmy's a former wrestler. Um, both big in the wrestling game. Uh, both musicians. Uh, Brad's done stand-up comedy with me. Uh, very funny guy. And they both got Corona, so we talk. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, please enjoy episode one hundred and twenty-five. Don't listen to what they say. You can't take it slow. And we are discovering how to overcome difficulties. I'm here with Jimmy Thompson and Brad Sanders. You guys, um, I'll give them a little bit of an intro. I'll let them introduce themselves. I know Brad through wrestling, um, stand-up comedy, this guy uh, just had COVID recently, so did Jimmy. So I'm going to talk to those guys about it, talk to them about wrestling um, and music. They both do music, which is awesome. Um, Brad's pretty much done everything. Um, I've performed with Jimmy quite a few times. Performing Great dude. What? Performing what? Well, I've performed Let's not Palatio. go into those full details. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I did stand up after he played music. The end, but yeah, welcome guys. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. This is my sit break. Oh man, dramatic pause. Okay, so um, tell the world a little bit about yourself, Brad. First, all right. Well, uh, like you said, uh, my name is Brad Sanders. I am an uh, independent professional wrestler who dabbles in uh, some stand up comedy and uh, music and different forms of art whenever I feel up to it. Um, but uh, yeah, we we met. Not too long ago, about a, what, two years ago? Sounds right. About, about two years ago, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, through um, the gym and through comedy, because uh, that was when about about a year and a half or so ago I did my first show with you guys. Yeah. And um, stand-up show. Um, I've been doing professional wrestling now about four years, and um, did some traveling with that. Before I was a wrestler, I was in the in the music scene, uh, contemporary Christian music scene. Did some traveling with that, and uh, music has always been a part of my life since uh, since I was a young, young kid. And uh, stand-up is something I just kind of recently got into to kind of just give myself another outlet. Um, my form of comedy is uh, 
I think a little different from other people because um, I kind of make fun of myself more mm-hmm. and I tell more of a story style than um, than some of the um, the jokes that get told like you know one hit one hit quitters and you just move on to the next one which is perfectly fine because they're hilarious but um, other than that I don't really know what else to say to nice. highlight we we might get into more later so I'm just gonna say like I only know two wrestlers you and Austin but you guys seem naturally comfortable on stage so that's really cool it takes takes a lot to get to that point though. I feel like a a lot of wrestlers would probably be decent comedians maybe I don't know maybe I don't know <laughs> I will say oh, there's, you know there's a lot of great guys out there that can do a lot of cool stuff um, in the ring but sometimes when the microphone hits their hits their, their hand or they're in front of a mm-hmm. camera sometimes that personality doesn't get brought forward as much Makes and sense. um but in the back, they might be the funniest dude in the locker room. But sometimes it's hard to translate that when you're yeah. trying to be a specific character, I guess. That definitely happens. Okay, Jimmy, tell the world. Brief summary. Hello, um, I'm Jimmy. I'm currently just a fledgling songwriter. Just trying to, you know, I can't really say that I'm really trying to be like anything or try to get a name for myself. But I just write, I wrote songs to just get myself through some things and it gained some traction and now I'm a musician again. Nice. Um, I was a, I actually was formerly a professional wrestler for about, I don't know, on and off, on and off about two years. I had to call it quits because I, I, I thought I saw something about you wrestling, yeah. but I wasn't sure. I had a pretty, nice. I had a pretty bad injury, but I'd traveled quite a bit to just, you know, just for, to try to be as good as possible mm-hmm. at it. And before then, I was actually all into music, too, into college and everything. And I did opera and was going as a jazz purist. I was a saxophone player. That's badass. Yeah. And I just recently bought a saxophone again yesterday, which I need to put in the... Well, I've taken to the shop, so I'm going to get my chops back pretty soon and incorporate that into this folk Americana thing that I'm doing now. That's awesome. I had no idea you did jazz. Nice. I love it, dude. That's dope. Very jazzy. (laughs) Look, this he guy... Would, he wouldn't know. I've been blowing up his whole apartment and all over here. I was, I was just, about to say that. Like, you know when you're in love with a specific style of art or mm-hmm. even just music per se, and that's all you listen to? Yeah. When he got the itch to start playing uh, saxophone again, um, that's all that plays in my house pretty much nonstop. Is this, is, and I, I dig it because I, I love all forms of music just mm-hmm. about. And um, so I'm like listening to it, and I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm like... Yeah, I told him, I said, if you listen to this, you better play this good. Because <laughs> when I, if you're going to start playing live in the house, it better be that good. <laughs> so that would be dope. I'm excited for him, man. He's uh, he, he's really come a long way as a musician. Oh yeah. So saxophones are sexy. That's what I'm told, but I've always been. <laughs> I was always such a stickler about it when it came to saxophone because everyone's like, oh, careless whispers and everything. And to me, I was, I was really heavily influenced by Coltrane and Miles Davis. And oh wow. Miles nice. Davis just naturally as a person was um, so angry mm-hmm. and rightly so because of the things he was dealing with racially at the time. But I relate with him cause I'm just an angry person. And that's how I kind of like let everything out naturally, you know, was on stage. It's just mm-hmm. a really good way to express emotions. Cause whenever it came to jazz and the reason I drifted into it was I just, I wasn't really much of a talker. I didn't have a lot of friends at all at the time. So, uh, to me, it was just a way to express myself, and I'd love going on stage and then coming off. It's like, I feel like you were talking to me, mm-hmm. and I said I was because I didn't know how to put it in words. I always thought that words diluted music, which is really ironic that I'm a songwriter now. Yeah. But That's a beautiful way to look at it. You were talking to me. <clears throat> Hell yeah. <laughs> I felt it. felt it in my soul. Appreciate that. 
what was your uh did you have like a cool wrestler gimmick name i did, did you wear a mask i did not wear a mask oh, no i grew this hair out for a reason <laughs> um <laughs> no it was uh, actually funnily enough we came up with uh the gimmick when uh, brad's children was or his first son was second son i'm sorry uh, I got so old. many. The season, the season <laughs> lose count. <laughs> right. um, and then we were watching Teen Titans Go, and they did this 80s spinoff episode where it was all throwback and like steampunk, but like neon colors. Mm. So I came up with this cool 80s gimmick, uh, with just these bright, shiny colors, and like had like this body suit with suit with patch patchwork in it and everything like that. And I called myself Jimmy Nova, Jimmy white leather Nova. jacket. I had a great like intro song that went along with it. And nice, yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Is that um, how you guys met through wrestling? Yeah, actually. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, roundabout way. Uh, I had uh, started training at OSW, Old School Wrestling, there in Odessa, Texas, underneath Fred Urban, uh, may he rest in peace, and Kevin Nichols, who was a former NXT talent. And so I was training there, and I was driving back and forth between Abilene and Odessa about two to three times a week. Um, and eventually ended up just moving there mm-hmm. in the process uh after a few shows um the tradition was to go to this restaurant called catfish there in odessa and um, catfish is like a 24-hour restaurant and it's like mm-hmm. we can pretty much order anything it has everything on the menu um nice. and it was it's was, it was a real cool spot i still like to visit there when mm-hmm. i go because it's like usually the only thing open and um so we go there and i hadn't seen jimmy yet or if he had showed up at training i hadn't you know, no, you know not, nothing against him. I wasn't there at the time. When you're training, you don't notice who's there and who's mm-hmm. not. And it's blood, sweat, and tears when you're in when you're in the ring and stuff. And uh, so we go after. I don't know if it was a training session or a show. We go out. We go out to eat, and uh, our waiter happened to be Jimmy. And everybody, me being the new guy, they were busting my balls and making jokes. And then he started cracking jokes. And here I am. I didn't know who this guy was, so I started cracking jokes back at him, half ass like, you know, hey, you're talking crap. I'm talking crap back. Kind of, <laughs> kind of get a little perturbed. But then it turned out that you know we became friends and uh, we became roommates for the first time, uh, not too long after that. That was fun. And then just like a, a brotherhood blossomed. And it's to a point now where you know the only thing that really separates us from being like. Uh, I guess a legal family is a last name, mm, you know, because yeah. we're, we're we're practically. Well, you um, guys could get yeah. married if you wanted to. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he 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 has some things I don't really care for. And, it's uh, like you know, we we <laughs> we already have the same insurance from the same job, so there's not really a point mm-hmm. on it. And we're you know this millennial generation, we don't want to put a label on anything. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, come yeah. on now. No genders in here. That's yeah. what I say. That's how I usually start the podcast. I say no genders. Let's go. Oh boy, no, but we're. It's one of those things where you. You've you've probably had this in your life, and uh, throughout your life, you're going to make friends, but then you're going to make uh, like lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can honestly say, I have maybe five or six people that are lifelong friends in my life. That no matter what's happened since I was a child, we still communicate, still check on each other, still mm-hmm. hold value to each other's opinion and to each other's life. And uh, Jimmy happened to be one of those guys that we just, you know. One of those yeah. things where the friendship kind of blossoms. So. <laughs> so sweet. Good connection. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't introduce uh, your wrestling persona. So you go by Mr. Discipline? Yes, yes. I have I experimented with a few right. others just to kind of see, you know, what I could, could create. And I felt like if I would have stuck with, with the other ones, I could have made something special. But, you know, what I had created with Mr. Discipline, uh, Brad Sanders, I feel like uh, was unique and nobody else was doing it. And just... 
I don't know, it felt more true mm-hmm. to me and to how I live my life. And um, after the uh, about a year worth of experiment with scrap iron, Brad Sanders, I just made the transition back, you know. And uh, luckily, I'm only four years in, so I'm still pretty much a, consider a, a rookie. So you can kind of make mistakes and do nice. stuff like that and be only creative. Four years in, man. And um, it's impressive for four years. I don't know if I've done anything impressive yet, but you know, it's but but I've, you know, I, I, I I'm a creator. I like doing things. I mm-hmm. like trying new things out. And I was like, heck, why not? You know. So, um, but no, Mr. Discipline has made us come back this, well, late 2019 and parts of 2020 that we were allowed to, and it's been a hit. Like it's been, that's dope. it's like he never left. So mm-hmm. it, it feels great, man. Uh, it feels real good. And uh, I'm really excited for what the future holds and um, just waiting for those, you know, bigger opportunities to, to come and knocking. So, oh yeah, man. What's um like a typical, you talked about training. What's like a typical training session for wrestling? Well, each school is going to be unique. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you go, like each school is going to have their trainer. They're going to have their method of teaching. They're going to have how they, you know, I guess there are certain curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't speak for every school, but I can speak for the way that Fred and uh, Kevin ran the school with the assistance of guys like Justin Taylor and Chris Wolf. Um, a lot of the stuff was heavily, we, they worked hard on our conditioning. Mm-hmm. We, I've I've played college football. I fought uh, MMA, and in all honesty, the conditioning for professional wrestling when you first start, if you got a good trainer, in my opinion, is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life because wow. it's going to beat you up in a way you've never been beat up. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a football coach who once told us in college, uh, Dino Calculus. He told us that you know lifting weights is a great way to toughen your body up to handle the bumps and bruises. Um, so when, when I was training, I tried to lift harder and stuff like that to build more muscle mass mm-hmm. and to, um, condition my muscles better to take those bumps and bruises in the ring. And I still like for a while, like my elbows would be bruised cause my elbows would spike a lot. My, my heels would spike a lot. I had to learn how to control my body. Mm-hmm. Um, when I wasn't in control of my body, like, so as someone's body slamming you, you're still responsible to, to some degree, uh, how you how you handle that fall. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing, you're doing all that stuff. And then you're doing all this other stuff to get your lung capacity up. And then you, you're training for four or five hours to do a 10 minute match, yeah, you know? So, crazy. so it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's the legit most toughest uh, athletic endeavor I've ever encountered. I still and, remember um, the, when I first started at OSW training there, um, Fred that ran, it was a really big stickler about respecting the ring and respecting the business. So mm-hmm. you really had to earn a spot to get into the ring, at least starting out when I was first there. Um, and three months was how long it took before I was allowed to step in a wrestling ring. And the entire time before that, uh, if I wasn't learning like basic roles and maneuverability for the most part, three days a week, uh, for three months, for three hours while I was there, I was learning how to fall. Mm. And I did that, like just get up, fall, get up, fall. And it was horrible, especially that first month, because I'd go over a speed bump, or if I turned too hard, just I couldn't move. I was in so much pain. Wow, yeah, that makes sense. Getting your body used to it, it is... It really does beat you up. Like, I know, I know what he's talking about, because uh, when I first started, Fred was especially hard on me being a former athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a little bit of training before mm-hmm. I went to, went to OSW, just a little bit, not a lot. So I had a, an understanding of how to how to fall or bump, and I had an understanding of how to lock up. 
you know, I didn't, I didn't know a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, even though Fred knew that I knew how to do those things, and he had saw me do those things, um, they had these thin blue mats. Uh, they're kind of like the yeah. the equivalent to the, the mats. mats you slept on as a kid on kindergarten. Yeah, kind of like that, just a little, mm. just a little bit bigger. Now, you know, yeah. about a little bit, maybe maybe an inch and a half thick, but it was yeah, soft, pretty, pretty thin, and, mm-hmm. and sit on top of a concrete <laughs> floor. So you're doing back bumps, flip bumps, face bumps on that, and you're yeah. doing them. You're get, you're doing it, getting up, doing it, and you're gonna do it for ten minutes. And then you're gonna do the next bump for ten minutes. Next bump for ten. All right, now you're gonna go run a mile. Now you're gonna do all this jumping and and yep. pin drills. And now you're gonna Dude. now come back and show me you can do it again. Now get up, do a perfect lock up. Okay, do a perfect lock up. Now grab a wrist hold, and it's like, oh, you know. And That's if it crazy. wasn't, if it wasn't like Fred really tried to run me off, like it, he really was testing me. It's one of and, those things. Uh, it's like, do you want it? And yeah. You got to show me how much you do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was doing this to me, knowing I'm driving off, driving almost two hours a day to come train. And luckily, Kevin saw something in me. It's like, I right, get in the ring. Like, get in the ring. We're gonna, we're gonna do, we'll start working you in with everybody else. So I was only on, nice. on the floor. I call, I call it being on the floor for about, I don't know, a couple weeks, maybe mm-hmm. two or three weeks. And then they finally got me in the ring and let me do stuff in there. And uh, that's when, uh, once you, once you, once you pop, you can't stop, man. Like uh-huh. I said, it was, it was something else. And I'm very blessed to have had went to a really good school. That's crazy. I can't imagine like falling and getting up for ten minutes straight. Yes, yeah. it's that's <laughs> got to be complete hell. Dude. Like I feel like a minute and a half in, I'm like, holy shit, give me a break. If you do it, <laughs> the nice thing is whenever you like forget to breathe out, and it's literally that first one, and then after that, it's just like I hate everything. <laughs> I hate my parents for birthing me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, because I was doing this thing where I was trying to do 100 burpees um, a day, mm. and it was <laughs> I'd get to about like. 12 yeah and i'd just be like all right i'm gonna take it yeah burpees you know a little fun fact burpees is really hard on joints i don't understand why people why people say oh we do those do 100 straight well after you're done how does your wrist and shoulders feel yeah you know what i'm saying yeah and if you bang just the wrong way how does your knees feel it's a good point. You know what I'm saying? And you're yeah. not doing this on padding. like You're not doing this in a ring or anything like in jiu-jitsu. Because mm-hmm. that, that fall is something you use in almost every style of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And then you use it in wrestling. But when you're doing it on concrete. It's a good, it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hop down there and break my wrist. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so I stopped doing burpees a long time ago. Makes yeah. sense. It's good to hear a wrestler's perspective. You know, a guy who does all forms of hitting the ground well I'll, <laughs> i will say this it does get better like um a lot of the old a lot of the older generation uh they would say uh you know you're doing you know you're 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 coming along when you're not having to bump as much in your match you're not having to fall as much in your match mm-hmm. and it didn't click until about my third year in and i realized oh i only took like four bumps the entire match i was out mm-hmm. there for 20 minutes and only fell like four times and it was a great match and the crowd loved it nice. and i got paid well and then i'm I got to think, I was like, man, when I first started, I was like 25, 30, 40, 50 bumps a, a match. And, I'm, mm-hmm. and it was like in a 10-minute span. I was like, thank God I learned. Like, yeah, thank God I learned how to tell a story. <laughs> way harder on your body. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, my body only hurts now, like after a show, if I really have one of those matches that uh, has a true big kind of meaning behind it. And mm-hmm. I'd go a little little more out than I do on a typical – I don't know. It's different. Like uh, – I guess for like in comedy, let's equate it to this. Like if you know you're gonna have like five minutes, mm-hmm. you're gonna give just a little teaser of your best. Yeah. Just so you know, when you get the opportunity to come back, you're gonna give them your absolute best, mm-hmm. and that's gonna make them just even more, you know, make yourself even more popular. 
or even in music, like I've told him, you got 30 minutes to do a set. You don't want to do a bunch of uh, do a bunch of covers. You want to do mostly covers with a few originals popped mm-hmm. in there because you want to get your originals over by having them fall in love with you because you can play their favorite song in a way that draws them in because mm-hmm. now they're going to listen to your stuff. So in a match, you know, for if you're if you're not wanting to bump as much, make that that match or you're doing all this killing your body in. Make sure it really means something. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe part of a storyline because there's no reason to kill yourself for twenty dollars in a ten minute match. You know, go out there yeah. and tell the story, do your job, go home safe. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting, if you're going to pay me a couple hundred to go out there, throw me in a main event and say, hey, here's part of the story. We need you to do this, yada yada yada. This match means something. Oh, well, I'm going to give you, we give you top rope stuff. I'm going to dive out the ring. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to bump crazy for the guy. I'm, we're going to do some cool stuff, you know, and yeah. you know, uh, tell a, a really big story, yeah. a live action movie kind of story. That's awesome. Um, so, it, it it really just comes down to. Um, I guess the payday and the reason behind the payday. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Somebody might disagree with me with that, but that's it's almost like a uh, like a really like a dance in a way. It is like with more mm-hmm. violence, but it's, 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 it's ballet with ba- ballet with vi- uh, violence. That's what exactly that's what it is. Yeah. That's what that's what Kevin just says. This is ballet with with violence. And I was like, yeah, it kind of is. Do you ever like uh, communicate with your opponent like beforehand? Like, do you know their style and everything? Well, n- yes and no. Like, I just got back from Tennessee and I did a, a three day. Sh- I did three three days in a row. I worked uh, a Thursday night, a Friday night, and a Saturday night, all for the same company, just different cities, mm-hmm. um, different size crowds. And so the Thursday night, I got to work with a guy that we've been friends for about four or five years. Both of us were baby faces or good guys. And we went out there. We had to tell the story of we're just really just competing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm trying to earn my spot in the company. He's kind of testing my testing me out, seeing if I'm really good. And it's the, this company's first time and their fans' first time of seeing me. So we didn't want to go too crazy. We just mm-hmm. want to tell the story of Brad's good enough to be here. Mm-hmm. And so he's facing off against one of our best and biggest guys. So me and Brandon White, we went out there. We had a solid match. Very easy going match. We both took minimal bumps. Mm-hmm. When the bumps happened, it mattered, and the crowd loved it. Um, after the show, you know, we we became friends. But I knew his st- uh, style because we've been on shows together throughout mm-hmm. Tennessee and a, a couple other places, and so I've seen his matches. So I kind of knew what to expect. Um, and then the guy I wrestled Saturday night, I'm sorry, Friday night in Selmer, Tennessee. We had been friends since like day one when I broke into the business, mm-hmm. like we just become instant friends, um, before I even had my first match and I'd never seen him work because mm-hmm. the few shows that we were on together, he wasn't booked, but he was there helping out in the locker room, giving guys advice, kind of coaching along. And, um, we finally worked, but he's such a, he'd been in the business for over 20 years. So someone like that is so easy to work with cause he knows what he's doing and he mm-hmm. makes everything count and everything matter. And, um, we both kind of work an old school, uh, brute brawl style. And, uh, so it was a very easy match cause we both kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and also knowing each other helps. And then, um, Saturday night in Jackson, Tennessee, I worked one of the new up and coming guys, um, Jason Genesis, good guy. Uh, he's pretty, he's pretty young in the business. He's got some, he's got some talent. Um, you know, like us, like all of us at that stage has a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, that match was a little more difficult because uh, styles kind of clashed. Uh, we had never worked before. I'd seen him work a few times um, throughout the weekend because we were, we were all on the same show. 
but um, we still did our job and got the match over. So, you know, sometimes you you um, you learn their style as you go. I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm trying to get at. Like sometimes you know beforehand. Sometimes you just kind of learn as you go. Yeah. And wrestling is a a big. Um, I like to use it as a like a sixty forty or a seven seventy thirty, depending on the show and the person of impromptu. Mm-hmm. So it might be 60-40 impromptu where I'm 60% sixty is going to be impromptu. The other 40, you know, we might have a discussion about, mm-hmm. you know. It's a competition, but yet it's also performance. And I think yeah. the Internet's well aware. Mm-hmm. Um, the WWE has it all over their network. So, I mean, I'm, there's no reason for me to lie about it. It's <laughs> safe to say that wrestling's fake. We're not going to get Oh, not that. fake. It's not yeah. fake at all. Fake would it, fake is a word that would, it would include, like, this is completely made up and mm-hmm. none of this is real. This is all Hollywood. Um, I would say more of um, predestined or preplanned in mm-hmm. some form or fashion, but not fully, not 100%. You know, that's why I use the 60-40 to 70-30 because sometimes it's 60-40, you know, that 60% is going to be impromptu. Sometimes mm-hmm. the 70% is going to be impromptu. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the 100% is impromptu. If you get real lucky and work a really old school guy, and sometimes the 100% is not impromptu because you're working somebody that would just rather work that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a brutal business, but it's very rewarding in many different ways. That's awesome. I wish it rewarded us just as much financially yeah. as it does <laughs> in those other ways, but it's, 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 a, it's a pretty rewarding. It sounds like it's keeping you busy. So um, you're doing like average like three a week? Well, no, 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 no. That was just my first week back. Oh, okay. Um, I was already in Tennessee, and um, that just happened to work out that way. This upcoming week, I'm um, going back. I'm only going to be doing two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be doing a Saturday and a Sunday. Sunday will be a bunch of TV taping for the, the USA uh, Championship Wrestling there in Jackson, Tennessee. Nice. Uh, Saturday, if everything works out, I should be on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of one of those things where I really don't know what I'm going to be doing until I get there for both days. And uh, this is what I've been. This is why what I've been training for is opportunities to do TV stuff, to, to mm-hmm. cut promos for TV, to mm-hmm. wrestle matches for TV. Because um, wrestling in front of a crowd versus a TV taping is very different. Um, working working a crowd in front of a TV that you know is going to be broadcast through cable or whatever mm-hmm. is going to be very different. So because um, there's certain ways you want to do things that tells the story for people at home to get hooked because it's easy to get a crowd in front of you hooked mm-hmm. you can get them nibbling out of your hands if you want but that crowd at home so you got to keep from changing the channel so you got to f- i've been training that's what i've been training and going to seminars and traveling to learn how to do and uh, this is gonna be my my test oh wow is this upcoming week so that's i'm awesome. pretty excited really cool um when you do you train like to fall off of ladders or is it just like you already know how to fall so you just <laughs> well <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes yes and no uh i don't know did you did you ever fall off a ladder in training because i didn't no but i can tell you what i did is that my training saved me from falling off of the truck <laughs> like i was a uh, uh, yeah just just constantly the repetition of doing it and then i used to work at ups mm-hmm. Uh, and I was working at a really bad branch of it where they just, you know, kind of like whatever laissez-faire, we don't really care what happened. Yeah, just go get ahead, out there and Go ahead and point them out. Yeah. Coin them out on the podcast. What branch was it? <laughs> well, it was, what, a, what was your supervisor's it, it, it was name? In mid, it was in Midland. <laughs> I might as well. They screwed me over. No, but um, uh, I remember like being on a truck and it was raining really bad, this U-Haul, and it's just really slick. And mm-hmm. I just went right for it, just fell straight off, and I just tuck, roll, and go there and, you know. Um, from the top of one of those big trucks was like a six, seven foot fall, which isn't 
a ladder and it's not in a wrestling ring, which does give some support, though it doesn't feel great. Um, but yeah, just landed straight up in a street and like literally kept myself from dying from hitting the trailer hitch on my head. All really close. Wow. Yeah. When you look up and it's right there, it's like, okay, well. That's scary. Yeah. So the, uh, the idea is to just like tuck your chin, right? Tuck your chin, exhale while you're falling. Um, if you can, try to make as much of your body hit the ground at the same time. Mm. So that surface area just retains everything and you're not pinpointing like... Nice. Certain, yeah. Do you remember when, I don't know if it was ESPN or what sports channel used to do, like sports science, and mm-hmm. it would show you like how the impact of certain things would happen? Yeah, it was a pretty cool show. So it would show you how dist- distribution of force would hit. So mm-hmm. in wrestling, like, you, man, I'm burping. Sorry. Um, You're burping. I'm congested. It's- the um, Great you moment. want like like uh, like Jimmy was talking about. You want to hit a certain way that the distribution of force doesn't like just screw you up completely. Because mm-hmm. any bump could be your last bump. Yeah, any one of them could break your neck, could give you a spinal contusion. It could give you anything. Like it's just, it could kill you. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just one thing can you can snap your neck on one bump, and it's happened. Yeah. Um. So tucking your chin, using your neck muscles, and tucking your chin to your chest keeps you from getting like a. Like, uh, well, what am I looking for? Not whiplash? Ri- whiplash. I almost said ricochet effect, but it can't keep you from getting, <laughs> keep you from getting a, a whiplash effect or breaking your neck. Um, and then making sure you land a certain way using the biggest, biggest part of your body, which is your back, mm-hmm. um, really, or your upper body, really saves you because it distributes that force throughout the entire body. And I know in training, I didn't learn to fall from a ladder. I've only, I've had maybe three matches that has it has involved stuff like tables and ladders and stuff mm-hmm. like that and which is weird i got to thinking about that the other day i've had 437 matches and i yes i keep up with them um because when awesome. i because re, when i retire i want to say i've had this many matches and um um I'm, i've not had to fall from a ladder yet um i've taken some suplexes off the top rope i've went through some tables mm-hmm. um i've been hit with some chairs yada 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 I've had whiskey spit in my face, and I made out with a grandmother. It's been a been a been a ride. Sounds um, like a good match. That I'll I'll send you the link. It's actually phenomenal. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, so part of training, Kevin ha- would have us do would have us stand on the on the on the ground, take a back bump, then have us stand on the bottom rope, take a back bump, just fall backwards, fall, and mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, and then the middle rope. You gotta stand completely up. You can't like hunch and drop your butt. You gotta stand completely up and like stiff leg, trust fall kind of deal. So then do it off the second rope, and then do it off the top rope. Man. And then you do a front. Then you do like a front. It's a front flip, but you land on your back. It's called a flip bump. Do it on the ground. Second rope. First rope. Second rope. Top rope. Uh, and I got to where I was doing all those without the the cushion, the, without the the mm-hmm. fall mat or the whatever you want to call it. And uh, it hurts. And those bumps I will only take if necessary, but um, I'm also the same guy that's going to take a suplex on a concrete floor. It's kind of counteractive, but <laughs> I, I still, I'll still, I'll still do it and take it because it, I just love the way it sounds and the way it gets people going. Ooh, ah! But yeah. I won't fall 10, 20 feet out of the air unless it really means something. So that's, yeah, gravity's a, mm-hmm. a son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> once you learn how to fall, it's just a fall. But it's one of those things where too, where you have, I've, I've caught myself with some superplexes from the top rope. Like, wow, we're really up here. I haven't fell yet. Oh, there it is. And <laughs> <laughs> so, but then there's other times where it's like boom, boom, boom. You're just mm-hmm. it's it's so fast. But um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where you just kind of get conditioned to. Yeah. And, uh, it, 
I'm not going to say it becomes easy, but for some of us it does. I feel like falling should be like a skill like more people should know. Because like yeah. it's really easy like when you're falling, if you don't know how to fall, to just start panicking. Well, And just put your arms out or yeah. exactly, land yeah. the break, worst way possible. Wrist, <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, when you learn to bump in wrestling, it's, you're learning to do something that's against your, your nature. And that's not put your arms back, not catch yourself, not mm-hmm. keep yourself from falling and getting hurt. So you're tr- legit training to keep your hands away from the ground, you know. And mm-hmm. there's like a, there's a lot of different flavors of ice cream, as Dr. Tom Pritchard would say, who's one of the greatest professional wrestling trainers. And none of them are right, none of them are wrong. It's just whatever fits best, okay. Um, like Triple H, if you notice Triple H when he bumped, he never really when he got to the WWF, he didn't smack the mat with the, with his palms much anymore. Like he would bump and kind of keep his arms kind of tucked in, or he'd go mm-hmm. over his head. That way, his, it was pretty much just his back hitting hitting the mat. Then you had other guys that every time they bumped, they were slapping the mat with their hands to kind of break, not really break the fall, but kind of add some more distribution of the mm-hmm. force, but also add to some more uh, sound or whatnot, however you want to call it. Um, I kind of bump like Triple H, and I've always kind of bumped like Triple H because mm-hmm. I started spiking my elbows real bad. And so I just kind of got to this point where my arms hardly ever touched the ground. And that was hard. It was really hard not to, like, go back there and touch your, like, I'm falling, keep myself from falling, kind of deal. And a lot of people mm-hmm. struggle with that, you know. Yeah. Most most people do, and but that's just part of your nature. Not if you, if you pay attention to professional athletes like the snowboarders and skateboarders and stuff, like the guys that don't break their wrist or the guys that fall a lot, they eventually mm-hmm. stop putting their hands down. It's a good point. I mean, I'll have to look out for that. <laughs> yeah. You just especially snowboarders. If you pay attention to them, they they hardly ever like really good that, mm-hmm. that that's learned how to protect themselves. They'll, they almost look like they've been trained like by a wrestler. They'll, they'll just kind of close everything up and just kind of just take it. Mm. So okay, nice. That's that's where I kind of I kind of caught on to things. So very cool. I forgot what my follow up question was going to be. <laughs> so we will move on <laughs> to the uh, Corona. Corona. Yes. I so almost, almost got you me. both had it. You got yes. it from work. Um, yep. You had it a little bit earlier, but when. Do you think you got it from traveling? No. Mm. Not never a fact. The timeline don't match up. You know, I've had people mm-hmm. say, oh, you got it from traveling. Well, okay, the, just, the timeline doesn't match up for it to be uh, for it to be a two-week uh, incubation period. Mm-hmm. So this is how it went. Uh, I had tickets bought for me to go down to Florida before COVID, like, became as big as it was. At yeah. the time, it was still kind of like, meh, it's no. here. But we're, <laughs> I remember. It was right. it was during quarantine. I saw you in right, Florida yeah, on, yeah. on like, Facebook. I was like, like man, quarantine, this guy's Yeah, quarantine hit wild. while I was in Florida. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't that bad till like, I landed in Florida, and all of a sudden, all hell broke. It was like, as soon as I landed, the beaches are shut down. Yeah. Flights are getting canceled. Amarillo's in lockdown. I'm like, what happened? And Florida this- is one of the states that handled it well, so – I think for the most part, I don't know. Yes and no. Like <laughs> the cases aren't as high. It, it, well, yeah, I get that. Well, there's also an opportunity to kind of keep your distance too down there. Like mm-hmm. you can still be at the beach and be separate. You know, the people yeah. that. I mean, I'm a native of Florida. Okay. Oh, okay. Nice. Let me tell you this: there's not a single native of Florida that lives there, goes to the beach every day, that's putting their ice bucket and their their seats right on top of another native or mm-hmm. anybody else. They want distance. They're tired. They've worked all week. They want to enjoy themselves. Yeah. Leave us the hell alone. We want to kind of just go swimming. Mm-hmm. It's the people from, you know, out of towners just coming in there. It's like, well, I just got to hog this spot, and then the next person, and the next person, and the next mm-hmm. person. So you can't blame the Florida people or the state itself for it, for any type of increase. It's the people who's coming down there and not respecting, you know, 
respecting it. I know that for a fact because I grew up there, and I know that makes sense. We kept our distance from people when nothing was going on, and it's a huge tourist so, thing. Yeah, and you you can't sit there at the beach and check IDs like where are you from? You know, yeah. from Florida, <laughs> leave. You know, that's not going to happen because Florida needs that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I was in Florida. Everything was still kind of iffy. You know, they had mm-hmm. sh- they had just shut stuff down. Like they had just shut bars down, which I was cool with. It's whatever. But um, um, get down there, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get locked into Florida. There. We thought my flight was going to get canceled. And I was just kind of happy about that. I was like, yes, it's a great excuse to miss work. And I'm stuck in Florida. I can just enjoy myself. I, haven't, I hadn't been to Florida in years like mm. since my great-grandmother died, which had been about six years. And I'd, I hadn't seen a lot of my family and whatnot in about six-plus years. So I was enjoying myself, just relaxing, getting away from everything. And um, came back. Uh, came back, and he was sick. We didn't know what he was sick with, but he tested Ooh. negative. He tested Jimmy tested negative. Mm-hmm. Um, for COVID, so it wasn't COVID, mm-hmm. but we had to wait a week and a half for results. So that yeah. by the time we got that, it had been two weeks since I had gotten back. Mm-hmm. I was not sick. I tested negative twice mm-hmm. when, when I returned from Florida. Did they within, um, within a two week span? Prior to your match or anything, were they were they forcing uh, wrestlers to test anything like uh, that? Tennessee, no, mm. no. They, they they just put out that general rule: if you have a fever, if you don't feel well, if you, mm-hmm. even if you have a cold. Don't show up. Just don't even risk it. Um, which is what most places are kind of doing right now, even restaurants. Yeah. Um, but, like, so about week three, I, I went back to work. I was at work maybe a week, a week and a half, maybe two weeks. Um, and I woke up. No, it's been about two weeks. I think so. And I woke up. Uh, I put my kids down for a nap on a Sunday. And I was like, man, I'm not really feeling well. I'm going to lay down with them. So I laid down. And woke up. They went home. I still really wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. And so I woke up that Monday morning about 3 o'clock. And I was just like pacing the room. I was in so much pain. My body hurt so much. Uh, I felt hot. I felt like I had a fever. And I was just like, man, I'm like, this ain't right. Like this is, I've had pneumonia. I've had the flu. And mm-hmm. this was something different. And uh, I got dressed like I was going to go to work. But on my way to work, I stopped. I was like, bro, go to the hospital. Something just told me, go to the hospital. Went to the hospital, and I told the guy when I walked in, the place was empty. Emergency room was completely empty. I was like, I'm sick, man. And I said, I need to know if this is corona or not because um, this is different. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. I'm miserable. And I was, like, pacing the ER. I was hurting so bad. And so they hurried up. They got me in, and they drew a crap ton of blood and then um, put me on an IV immediately because um, they came back like I was extremely dehydrated. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they um, they swabbed my nose. This is the, the third test I had taken, and uh, they they had the um, the non FDA approved um, test. So it was like the two hour test. So to sit in the ER by myself for two hours mm-hmm. um, with this IV in my arm, um, and came back. Sure enough, I had it. The doctor tried to talk me into staying. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, "You can stay if you want, but since your breathing seems to be perfectly fine, your oxygen oxygen levels are good, mm-hmm. you can go home." So, what were your symptoms at that point? At that point, was just body aches. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a fever at that time, which was weird. They thought he found that weird. Um, the uh, body aches, uh, I had a headache, a bad one, My, um, and I mean, when I mean body aches, it's like I don't even know how to explain it. Like you've heard people say, "I, I feel like I got beaten." Mm-hmm. This was legit. Like, I feel like I've been in a fight with multiple people. Damn. Like, I hurt toes, mm-hmm. everything. Wow. Um, and uh, I was weak, just really tired for mm-hmm. no reason. And 
I opted to go home. I was like, you know, I told, I told the doctors like, if it gets worse, yeah, I'll come back. But I doesn't, I didn't see a need of like sitting in the hospital and waiting. Yeah. To see if I got better or worse. And it was a Monday, Tuesday night. Uh, I got real bad. I think it was either Tuesday night or Wednesday night. I actually texted Jim. I was like, hey man, I know you're at work, but I can't breathe. Like I, my breathing had gotten real bad. Like I was mm-hmm. wheezing. Like I'm. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I had that. to check on him a couple times a night and just make sure if he was still breathing because yeah. it was. I told him I was, was like, scary. I said, "Here's here's the rules. If I die, mm-hmm. uh, you need to delete everything off my phone <laughs> immediately. Hide uh, my porn <laughs> because I already know it's there. But you yeah. better believe it's all going to go yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> 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 no, that was a joke. I, I kept and people people didn't believe I was sick because I I kept a a light heart about things. I mm-hmm. just tried. I'm I'm just one of those people. I kind of. I'll I'll make a joke about just about anything. Yeah. And um, so I was like, yeah, delete everything off my phone. But no, for real, if I'm not breathing, definitely call 911, get me to the hospital for, or if I sound like I'm struggling, please. Because yeah. all they gave me was anxiety medicine and an inhaler, slap me on the butt, kiss me on the cheek. Anxiety medicine? Yes. I still have it, too. I was like, this is. This is what is the, why? He said, <laughs> this, he said, this will help you focus on your breathing. What? Right? Yeah. They're just like we that, have we have an influx of anxiety pills. We're just going to give it to you. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, the inhaler actually helped the most because there was times yeah. where I felt like my lungs wasn't strong enough or mm-hmm. the airway was constricted, and I really felt like that helped me. Did you think any like about getting those little uh, breathing machines, oxygen machines? He, he, I asked him in there. He said he said right now because on Monday I didn't have that. My breathing was was fine, mm-hmm. but by Tuesday, Wednesday rolled around. I was like, I was struggling. Yeah. And I struggled all the way through Friday. My breathing started slowly getting better. But by the time Friday came around, it really wasn't my breathing. It was my ribs had hurt, was hurting so much from forcing myself to breathe. Holy I didn't want to breathe. I was exhausted from Damn. trying to force myself to breathe. And by that time, I was running 102 temperature. Like, I was, I, I was, I, dude, I would go and just stand in the shower. Like, I would just go stand in the shower until there was no hot water left. That is awful. And I didn't even have the cold. You know how people mix the hot and cold? Yeah. No cold water. It was all hot. And I was like, this ain't hot enough. This really? Hot. Yes. That's how hot I was. I was so burning up so much like this ain't hot enough. I'm still and cold. you didn't go back to the hospital? I didn't because I'm hard-headed. Wow. I just kept myself locked in the room. I just. Dude, if I couldn't breathe, I feel like I probably would have freaked out and been like, hey, take me to the hospital. I'm, I'm hard-headed. <laughs> I'm like, hey, if I'm going out, like if I have a choice to go out, like if it's me, I'm going to go out on my terms. Not in a hospital bed. No one can come visit me in the first place, you yeah. know. Like, and then when I when I if I died in the hospital, who's going to pay that bill? That's true. Maybe you're maybe the insurance to cover it. Maybe you know because I'm I'm still legally married. I don't want to drop that bill on her, you know, like, or my family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like if I die in my apartment, okay, mm-hmm. throw me in a burning bin and let's go. Like <laughs> we're, we're going to be all right. Yeah, you beat so. it though. I mean, you're young, you're in good shape. Uh, how long did it last? Over a month. Sickness? Really? Yes, because it, this what's crazy about COVID is it hits everybody differently. Mm-hmm. So I went through like the most severe symptoms first, and then I got the COVID cough mm-hmm. afterwards. And I had to get tested again. They, I was on quarantine for an X amount of time, and then I had to go get tested again. So when I got tested again, the test came back uh, a day later. I had it. I still had it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, do you have any symptoms? And they started naming off symptoms. I was like, yes, I have the cough. Yes, I'm exhausted. Yes, my breathing feels impaired still, just a little. 
And they're like, all right, well, you're on quarantine for the next two weeks. Here's a letter saying if you leave your apartment, you'll be fined $1,000. Mm-hmm. And if you if we find out that you happen to leave and somehow uh, infect someone else, you will be subject to criminal prosecution. Fined yeah. by who? The, uh, the, the, the state, state of Texas. State, yeah. city or say, I have to look back at the papers. But, yeah, Holy this was from shit. the health department. Yeah. And the fire marshal came in full PPE and delivered them. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we took that very seriously. And he had to be put on quarantine just for the fact he lived in the same apartment. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Right. Like, so, but they didn't tell us that. And then you until tested I, until he positive went, Yeah, because so. I was still going to work, and regardless, because yeah. I was like, well, I, I really like money. Um, they didn't so, tell him he had to stay at home until after they until until after the second test yeah. for me. Mm. That's the crazy part. But then during that time, also in between, I was tested by the National Guard, which had come to the, the slaughterhouse uh, to Tyson, which is where I work. Yeah, and they tested everyone. So they come up to me and like, hey, you have it. I'm like, are you sure? They're like, yeah, go. (laughs) (laughs) And for the next two weeks, I stayed in quarantine and uh, snuck out of the house late at night so I could smoke a cigarette because I was fine. No trouble Mm -hmm. breathing at all. No symptoms. Pisses me the hell off, too. But um, you were sick previously. I was. What what were the symptoms on that one? With that, um, just a basic pneumonia. Like I didn't have a fever, you know, um, I felt a little, a little sore, but it was really just like, I didn't have a COVID cough or anything like that. It was just trouble breathing. It's like, I don't know what's going on Yeah. for about two weeks. And then it was over and then you got sick and then I tested positive. But the first time I got sick, Mm I had gotten tested, I think two or three times, Mm -hmm. went to all the different places. All of them said I was negative for it. And you guys lived together through the whole yes. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I want to add something to this, though, because yeah. I hear this all the time. I had it back in February. Mm-hmm. I had it back in December. If you got some fever-like symptoms back in Thanksgiving and you <laughs> tested negative for the flu, that actually did happen to me, though. I got windmilled on Thanksgiving Day. I woke up and thought I was going to die. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. So maybe I had it, but even still, that doesn't make us any less serious of mm-hmm. an I'm a, issue. I'm going to say this. If you had it back in February, if you had it back, you know, Thanksgiving, <laughs> according to my experience, and I, I got some friends in New York mm-hmm. that that's had it, and they have family members that, I'm stuttering now, yeah. <laughs> um, they had family members that died from mm-hmm. it. No. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You didn't have it because I'm telling you, if you had it, you'd be in bed. You didn't. You, you for mm-hmm. a month at least. It was the most miserable experience. I I was sick back in February, mm-hmm. but it was pneumonia, and I was over it within a week. I yeah. was up and running. It was okay. You remember that? I was mm-hmm. I was okay. I was yeah. like, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah. You know, but which is kind of like what happened to me whenever I got sick before yeah. he did. Right. Yeah. COVID. Lasted about a week. I'm good. I'm cool. I'm, and it just it just came and went. No problem. Mm-hmm. COVID just don't come and go. Yeah. Like, it, regardless of how your symptoms start, it your body recovers. There's still times where, like, as, as in shape as I am, you know, I'm like, man, I can't breathe. Why am I yeah. out of breath? Like, what am I doing? I took out the trash. What the? You know, and it's been a month removed mm-hmm. since my wow. my last negative test. That's crazy. And it's just like, man, this is it's still, it's still kind of weakening me out a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's people that's lost like tons of freaking weight from it because you lose your ability to taste. I couldn't taste a single thing. I had him ordering food left and right. Bro, order this, order this, order this, order this. I need to taste something. I need steak express. I need something. You need Chinese. Couldn't taste a it's damn terrible. thing. I was miserable. Then you, got, you just get to a point you don't want to eat because I can't mm-hmm. taste it. Why eat? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that was not the case when I had when I had pneumonia. Mm-hmm. That was not the case back when I got the flu in, in December. Wow. And it was nothing. That's interesting because you both had to have been exposed to the same like strain. Well, we work with forty five at least forty five hundred people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, this is really hard to say without sounding like a piece of crap. And I'm not a piece of crap. You know this. And yeah. pe- anybody that peeps my Facebook and anybody that has ever heard me talk knows this. Where we work is a very blended community. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. I love everybody that works there. I just think it's really cool. I've had some wonderful conversations from people from many different cultures and countries. Yeah. And the one thing that I I, I'm, I take from these from people who are foreign, yeah, they're really hardworking. But they're they're so hardworking they will work through any sickness. You can cut their arm off. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask you when can I come back to work. They are some really hardworking people, and I, I really admire that from mm-hmm. them. So. When I say this, I don't, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. Somalians. But, <laughs> no, we, got, well, we, do, we do have we have Somalians. We have um, a huge uh, Arabic community. We have a huge Asian commu- community out there, uh, a lot of Hispanics. Oh, that's fun. Um, it's, it's, it's very blended. Like, but, you, but you hear some I specifically some cool work stuff with over a there. lot of Koreans in my place, and they're hilarious. I love yeah, them. It's a, <laughs> I it's, love them. It really is a lot of fun. Like, I really do enjoy like the locker rooms. To me, the the Asian dudes are the best because yeah. they are the funniest, good, funniest mm-hmm. dudes in the building to me. Me. they're just hilarious and because they're like they don't care who you are they're picking on you yeah. you'll be the biggest dude in there they're going to pick on you and it's not just one it's a group of them that's, and that's it's awesome. it's the best thing ever <laughs> and i think it's i think it's just a, i think it's the coolest thing and I, like i said i get along with everybody out there and mm-hmm. we're all really cool but um there's a lot of those, a lot of the, a lot of those people that come from a different culture they won't report that they're sick because they have to work they feel mm-hmm. like they have to work because they have family they have to take care of yeah and plus where they come from you work no matter what it's work or die yeah, and so I admire that about them, but I feel like that was where a lot of like factories and beef packing plants and meat plants and stuff like that, where this was spreading so much, is because most because places of the culture because of the culture. Like mm. it's it's not it's not a knock on them as a person or them as a race. It's them yeah. like where they come from. It's work or die. Yeah, I it's, mean that's that's more of a compliment. Than yeah, a, and it really knock. And so <laughs> with everything going on, I have to be really careful about how I say this. But they're they're working through their sickness, no matter how bad it is. They're mm. going to work because they have to. Because somebody needs them. Yeah. And um, so I feel like that's how it got spread. On top of that, I'm going to, I'm only going to put like a little bit of blame there, okay? I'm going to put a, the, the largest blame on the company itself. We didn't get any PPE or any type of mandatory testing or any type of mandatory protection until the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. It was full-blown in April, and they waited a whole month. Yeah. You got 4,500-plus people, mm-hmm. and you're – going to check temperatures that's it yeah I think, you can run uh, a fever from anything but you know what i'm saying damn near everybody not to mention corona the has a two-week gestation <laughs> period where you're still just as contagious and mm-hmm. will not right. show any kind of symptoms right and i understand there's an argument that the testing wasn't regular or ready or whatever by that I think, time but i think that was a lie i do too <laughs> i think that's just a lazy way of saying like oh we don't believe this is that serious yeah, yeah. but She's just saying you're not a priority but our company could have done they could have done a better job at the beginning taking care mm-hmm. of us by protecting us. And I put yeah. that that's where I really put like ninety percent of the blame on mm-hmm. all this. Um but I will say they did a good job trying to make it up to us. Um yeah. you know, I'd been there long enough to earn disability, so I got a small disability check for two that's weeks. Good. But it took me over a month to recover. So yeah. thankfully, you know, I had friends uh that helped me out with that. But, you know, who if the company would have just 
picked the ball and ran with it from the beginning, mm-hmm. knowing that we work shoulder to shoulder, at least in my, my department. We work shoulder to shoulder, we're shoulder to shoulder in the locker room, we're shoulder to shoulder in the hallway, shoulder to shoulder in line for lunch, shoulder to shoulder in line for breakfast and supper, mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder in the cafeteria, sit down and eating. When you're that close to somebody, of course you're going to catch something. Yeah. There's no way you're not going to catch something. And these these big corporations, they're profit driven, so they're going to be like, well, if we have if we have to test, then we're going to have to give people time off. So yeah. we're just not going to test. We're going to yeah. avoid it as long as we can. Yeah. And then they're sitting in an office, sitting away from everybody. <laughs> and then they, oh, well, it's not affecting us at all. It's no, it's not affecting you. Mm-hmm. So that you're 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 not even looking at the, the larger picture. Over 1,500 people got sick out yeah. of there, out of 4,500. Think mm-hmm. about that. Look at that. I don't know what that percentage is, but I know it's big. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, that's huge. They could have done a little. They could have done. It was just fifteen hundred at that one plant. Yeah. Holy cow! She said fifteen plus. This was somebody in the HR. I don't. I don't know her name, but when I was asking her about my first disability check, I'm like, "Hey, what's going on?" She's like, "Look, Brad, I'm trying my best to get through all this. I've got fifteen hundred plus people. I'm trying to get paid out." That's crazy. Because yeah. weren't wasn't Amarillo's numbers like at twenty five hundred, something, something like that. Something like that. There's a lot of numbers that's not being reported. I'm telling you. <sighs> like you, when you do the math, we we're in a two hundred. 200,000 plus populace when you include Canyon and Ceramic. Mm-hmm. We're all kind of pretty much connected. So yeah, it's pretty much one. Basically. 200 plus thousand populace. You got 45 plus hundred working in one spot. Mm-hmm. There's 1,500 plus. That was her direct words. Sick. That's just one plant. Tested positive Man. for COVID. That's receiving disability because they have COVID. That's crazy. You're going to tell mm-hmm. me we only had 2,500 people sick in Amarillo? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. Then, I mean, there could be a ton of people just like Jimmy who were like, definitely I have it. That, yeah. Definitely yeah. have it, just don't know. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But there was also, there's other places where you have a mass amount of people working mm-hmm. that I promise you, it was just as rampant out there. It was just better handled. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So. I could, I could talk about that forever, but like, because I have my views about that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I feel like that our nation dropped the ball completely on this. Oh, absolutely. Completely. There was so... The World Health Organization. Yeah, uh, so unbalanced in how they Dr. This. Fauci, is that how you say his name? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> the, the, uh, just how they... Uh, we're going to shut this place down that does this much traffic, but we're going to keep this place open, and you can still run pretty much full capacity. Like, so yeah. those are just Walmart. Walmart, I get it. They, they sell a product, and in, in the food section, and only the food section, well... Not foods. Food section and the pharmacy section are the only two things necessary mm-hmm. in Walmart. Yeah. And the toilet paper, according to the public. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> People are so, that, that's the craziest mass hysteria moment I've I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and I've lived through hurricanes and all this stuff. And I was People like, panic this? quickly. That mm-hmm. was wild. But Walmart could stay open and, and run full capacity and do its business pretty much as normal. And they only started changing it up when they started catching flack. But mom and pop down the road who may see 20 people all day had mm-hmm. to shut down. Yeah. Does that, does that, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, it's crazy. No, because <laughs> – and even right now, and they're like, oh, you can be at 25% capacity. It's like – What's 20 – yeah, think about I, what's I have, 25%. I can only afford to, like, pay two waiters right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's like the wrestling shows here in Texas. Like, uh, And I'm not knocking them. I'm glad that people are back doing shows. I'm, I got blessed to have the opportunity to go somewhere. They're running 100%. Mm-hmm. But – in Texas, I was like, man, why would I, if I was a promoter, why would I want to do a show where I can only run twenty five percent? I did the math. Say I say I run a show and twenty five, I, I average two hundred people mm. on a on a on a good week, 
when I'm at, when everything's at a hundred and there's no crazy stuff. All right. So after I run, I run 200 people. I got to do 25% of that. That's 50 people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm only have 50 people. that has got to be sit six feet apart. Can't serve food. Probably. Can't serve food. No, you can't. You couldn't <laughs> can't serve. serve you couldn't serve food. Mm-hmm. Mask must have had to have been at the time. Mask uh, was uh, recommended or had to have been worn. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one it was. Um, and then you've in a typical show, you've got anywhere from ten to fifteen, maybe ten to sixteen guys or girls on a show. Uh, then you got a ring crew, which is gonna, can consist of five to ten people. So, do they equal to the twenty five percent you can have in capacity? If if they do, then your then your whole show is yeah. <laughs> just blown right there. But then you look at the pay. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't you would go in the hole almost four hundred dollars after you ran a building and all this different stuff after mm-hmm. you pay everybody at least twenty dollars. Yeah. And you need say you, the average ticket price is anywhere from ten to twenty bucks to get into a show. So say you only make two hundred dollars mm-hmm. at the most from your show. Well. Two hundred dollars is only going to pay at least four or five guys. Yeah, because some of those guys aren't paying, aren't, aren't wrestling just for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Tell me your main events weren't wrestling for twenty bucks. I think that's that'd be the it's crazy. So, and then what's your what are you paying for your your building? Anywhere from five hundred bucks to a thousand bucks, depending on the show or location. So, mm-hmm. why go in the hole for what? It's yeah, good for good fifty point. people. Mm-hmm. Wait, for sure. What do you guys think of uh, WrestleMania going with no audience? I enjoyed WrestleMania. It was cool. I, I didn't. Did. I didn't. I only saw clips of it, mostly Gronk. Um. <laughs> I didn't like him. I just, I just, I don't see the draw to Gronk. I don't see he's not entertaining, not even that in that sense. aspect. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's like an overgrown child. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's the best description. Yeah, like <laughs> and I, when I saw him perform, I'm, I'm looking at my three year old and I'm looking back and I'm looking at my three year old. I'm like, that's what my three year old would do mm-hmm. if he was in that situation. He would act that way. Can't say the words <laughs> as well, but yeah. physically, that's that's how he would act. I Man, someone different would have been better. I know Gronk is an athlete and he has a, a draw. Yeah, but I feel like that draw strictly to the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, it would. Um, I think more people would maybe like NFL fans would kind of like take a look at it a little bit more. But I mean, he's his skill set isn't there because he just started. So. Right, I, I, I haven't seen him in the ring, but when I'm and I saw him the WrestleMania before getting the ring, like some of the most guys that are in the in in, in the uh, WWE now are like former college athletes or Olympic athletes or somebody somebody special, mm-hmm. and you can see that about them. Like yeah. they have they hold themselves. When I saw Gronk in the ring, and this is my opinion, and I might catch some flack about this, and it's okay, but when I saw him do the little spear or shoulder tackle, whatever he did. Uh, it, what was it? Like two, two years ago, three years ago. Something. He looked clumsy. Mm-hmm. He did not look like an athlete to me. And then when he did all the stuff down there with the WWE on TV for this WrestleMania, he just looked clumsy. So he just he just looked lank, you know, lang, 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 langly, longly, lanky, lanky. lanky yeah. I don't know. And it's, it's weird because you know it's he is. I mean, he's in the NFL, and so he's a professional athlete and everything. But you see him walk down, and it's like this guy just. When you see wrestlers who work out to have a certain appearance and keep up to a certain ability, mm-hmm. when you see someone come in from another sport who you would think is in shape, who you think is muscular, like I remember when Stephen Amell from uh, Arrow started coming in, mm-hmm. and you know it's like he's portraying a superhero, and then he comes in and he's next to like actual professional wrestlers, and it's just like this. He looks like he just walked out of a comic store. Cody Rhodes is Cody Rhodes isn't a big guy. Like he's he's he's. A, phenomenally in shape mm-hmm. and that's who he was feuding with mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes I think maybe 220 at the most 
and then you see Steven, and you're like, wait, this guy's little. Yeah. He, he was cut. <laughs> and they're like, this guy's tiny. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's always a trip when you see like celebrity cameos on WWE. Mm-hmm. You're just like, whoa. I would have loved to they have look seen. like different humans. I'd have loved. There's a few people I think would have been phenomenal in wrestling. I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been perfect. <laughs> like that dude in wrestling, because everything he does is gold. Like, mm-hmm. There's nothing he's. I don't, come on. But him in wrestling, imagine the promos. You know what I'm saying? Imagine him leaving Mr. Olympia his last year yeah. instead of making movies and going into wrestling. And he could play like an evil Austrian. Come on, yes. Mastermind. Listen, I'm, the, I'm the Austrian. Oh, I'm going to break your bodies and turn your bodies into protein powder and drink them and just how the guy. And nobody can stop me. Hulk Hogan, get out of here. Like, that would have been, that man, come on. Oh, yeah. He would have been, he would have been great. Right? Absolutely. Or him versus Macho Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can hear it now. The crowd screaming my name. Macho Man Madness. Yeah, dig it. Uh-huh. Get out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> Nobody cares who you are. We can't understand the what you're saying. Speak English now. <laughs> Sorry. I just <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. That feels good. What's like the uh, like the wackiest um, wrestling character you've seen? Oh, like pro, like independently or like any across the board? Because I was watching clips of uh, the Boogeyman like two days ago. That guy was wild. I'll let you go first. I gotta think about this. Go first, Jim. Well, I'm not talking about ones that I've seen because, as far as the ones I've seen, it, they were all pretty. Well, I mean, they were like characterized versions of something or other, but no one was really wacky. But I remember one of the first times you left out of state. I think maybe to uh, Philadelphia or something, and you said someone was wrestling as Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. That mm. was his gimmick. That was his character. Okay, yes. Okay, so I was in uh, I was in Virginia Beach. I can't remember the name of the company right now. Uh, I was up there. It was the very first time WWE used me as an extra. And uh, I had flown up to Virginia Beach, and then I had to fly over to Philly and then back to Virginia um, to do a Raw and SmackDown. And, but... While I was there, it was like a week and a half or two weeks to kind of prep for the opportunity because I was told left and right, you're going to have a tryout. Definitely, you're going to have a tryout. No matter what, you're going to get a tryout. It's mm. going to it's happen. So be in the best shape of your life. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get up to Virginia. I'm going to spend a week and do nothing but just work out and train and just, you know, and that's what I did. I was there for a week or two and just that's all I did, eat, sleep. Some went to boot camp, right? Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a I'm gonna get a match. And um, I can't remember how it happened. I had to get a license for the show and I didn't pay for it. So a license I, to wrestle? Yeah, some states require like a, wow. like a boxing or a, a yeah, mixed martial arts a, or combated sports. Like a commission license. or something like yeah. that and you'll get blood work to make sure that you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Do you have to do like a like a physical mm-hmm. test? Full, like a, it's a full blown like it, if you're going to go into mixed martial arts or boxing and mm-hmm. compete it's going to be the exact same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I can't remember I already had that stuff anyway because WWE requires that mm-hmm. so I didn't have to pay for the license, I can't. Remember. I think the company bought the license, so I would come and I wrestled. I did the, their main event with them. Um, wrestled a guy named Billy Dixon, and um, um, we had a pretty decent match, pretty good match. Oh man, I had the crowd so mad at me. But yeah, while I was there, there was this, there was this guy. He was a skinny little dude, and he was just dressed up like uh like he was a straight up a character from Bleach. Like he had the mask, the sword, the get up, and I was like, wow, that's uh something. That's, that's why I bring that's that. Up. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's not the craziest one. Like, yeah. um, I don't know, um, man, the most out there. Like, I'm just trying to think. I think as far seen. as like character intensive and someone who really gets into their gimmicks, um, 
would be someone like Malico if you want someone local. But yeah. it, for really entertaining, I don't know how to describe this other than Vaudeville Pee Wee Herman. But he calls himself Danhausen, and if you look up look him up on Instagram, like it's just it's just this really weird out there character, and I can't describe him other than that. And <laughs> something that you need to see because you'll it's it's fun. Does he dress like Pee Wee Herman? So he does a couple of things uh, from. <laughs> so he actually has like I'm this touching whole. Touching like, myself. <laughs> 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 Let's go, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just he's just this funny like slapstick character, and it's really nice whenever you see people who are like, oh, comfortable enough with themselves to not take themselves seriously, because mm-hmm. everyone wants to come in and be like, oh, I'm so cool or I'm so tough and blah 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 blah, and it's like you know what. I'm an evil character, and I collect teeth, and I do like Pee Wee Herman slapstick wrestling matches. <laughs> okay, okay, I, it, okay. So it took me a moment. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, but I've actually watched a lot of his matches because um, he does some stuff that I like, and I'm trying to find ways to implement those things or just try them out and see if they fit for me. Um, he's been in the business for a while, but he does a a Boy Scout character. He's Jake like, Manning. Jake Manning. Okay, yeah. So Jake Manning does this Boy Scout character. <laughs> he comes out in the the Boy Scout shorts, the hat, the shirt. He's the Man Scout Jake Manning. And uh, I think the funniest thing he does, and I love it because I think it's I think it's hilarious. He'll uh, get his little his little hot move set, and he'll start wrestling with the shorts on and the shirt on and the and the hat on. Mm-hmm. Like he'll do something, get all excited, maybe take the hat off. Then uh-huh. do something a little extra. Then he's taking the shirt off. Then he does something extra. And as he's powering up, he takes the shorts off. And he's got his wrestling trunks underneath, of course. So now he's actually looking like a wrestler instead of uh-huh. a Boy Scout. But it's like he's doing the whole stomp, yeah. wiggle, wiggle out the shorts. <laughs> then do, and then wiggle out the shorts and, oh, it's time to dive. And for some reason, that's just so entertaining to me. But it's kind of silly at the same time. That is time. entertaining. But that's like, cool. Like he's a good wrestler. Like he does phenomenal stuff. But that's just – that's just, it was just so different and just so entertaining, but yeah, like for some reason the, the whole wiggle the wiggle out of the shorts cracks me up every time. Like every time I see that, so. But he brought up Malico. If I was going to put over a guy in Texas, or, or this area that has probably the most unique character, I would say Magnificent Malico, which we've wrestled a lot against each other, and uh, the guy is just something else. Like he's a he's he, you know most clowns do like a, a spinoff of uh, Doink in some some form or fashion. And uh, he's not. He's the legit the only evil clown out there. Nice. I, I don't care. And there's no disrespect to anybody that does one or does a version one, but there's only one evil clown in the world of professional wrestling, and that's many, Magnificent Malico. There's no one that does it better. Not a single person out there. Are there a decent amount of clowns out there? Yeah. Well, You'd nice. be surprised. <laughs> I guess it's like I see it, and there's I'm like, a, wow. There's a decent amount of things that – Probably shouldn't be. Yeah, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of stuff as a wrestler you get in. And you're like, why? Why is this here? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Like, who who told you this was okay, or who told you that completely ripping off another character completely, mm-hmm. like 100 percent is okay? Oh man, you know, like you'll see guys completely doing the doink, the clown mm-hmm. character, and it's like, come on, man. I don't even know who that is, but you just yeah. look him up. He's he was, he's a staple of old older WWF stuff. And nice. Um, we can get into like who's played him, who's been him, and all this different stuff. But there's only been like a handful, mm-hmm. like two, three guys that are like legit real doink kind of like you know remember they said there was a different undertaker for a couple of years mm-hmm. well it's kind of the same thing or a different uh, ultimate warrior well there was actually a couple of just different doinks but they didn't last long you know oh, so jason Bourne was the original and then you had a guy jason Bourne. yeah then you, had, then you had a few other guys come in and fill his role but um yeah 
No, Matt Bourne. What am I? Did I say oh. Matt Bourne? Did I say you, Jason? You said Jason. Jason. My Jason. bad. I got His name excited. was Matt Bourne. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Jason Bourne's a clown. <laughs> yeah, nobody wrestled Jason Bourne as a clown. Like <laughs> It's just best just to tap out as soon as the bell rings. As I'm done. Oh, man. That's crazy. Crazy stuff. Wrestling's cool. I like the uh, like how creative you can be. In that. Oh, there's so much stuff you can do. Yeah, it's crazy. Do you guys remember uh, Rikishi? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, throwing his ass in people's face. Yeah, that That's, uh, have you, have, okay, so if you haven't learned the, listened to the podcast, go listen to uh, Bruce Pritchard's Something to Wrestle With. Mm-hmm. Um, they tell you how Rikishi got that character because he'd been wrestling for years up to mm-hmm. that point. And uh, they tra- actually tried to get Yokozuma to be that guy. But he was like, no, I'm not doing that. So it's actually really, – one, they're related. But two, like it's really cool to kind of hear yeah. that story. So. You just got to be so upset knowing you're going in a match against him, you know? Well, like, I mean, if he, he likes you. He can put his sweaty ass all over your face, bro. I mean, if he likes you, it would be okay. He's like, I've had get, that happen to me. going to get pink eye. <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've, had, I've had that exact move happen to me, but not from Rikishi. But uh, it's – uh, yeah, it's there. It's, it happens. It's, your nose is in there. That's hilarious. Sorry. Can't believe that. It is what it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People get paid to do a lot weirder stuff. If that's if that's the weirdest thing I got to do to get paid, all right, cool. Whatever. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know, come on, back it up. You Let's don't go. gotta put anything inside yourself. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Oh, that just reminded me of something. Ah, oh, thanks for that. I'm gonna bring it up too. So, I don't know what company. I really don't. All I do know is it was shown to me. Dildo man. <sighs> Close. <laughs> There's a lot of weird wrestling overseas. Oh, that makes sense. Was it Japanese? Maybe. <laughs> uh, this was shown to me, okay, years ago. Like I haven't seen it recently. This was like when I first started training. Like I, I wasn't even wrestling yet. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I ain't gonna say who showed it to me. But uh, <laughs> so it was a looked like a wrestling match, and it was a guy versus a girl. And uh, <clears throat> next thing you know, the guy does something to the girl where she falls, and she kind of goes to roll outside. He beats her to it, and it, it was the most – to me, it's disgusting. And it shouldn't have happened, but this happens. Like, I guess it's a thing. Like, somebody went into somebody there at the edge of the ring in front of a group of foreign fans. and Wow. How did yeah. the crowd respond? I mean, how did you think? terribly i would hope i mean if if it's a group of foreign fans well yeah but it's uh, like uh, not consensual right like it to go, that point i think i, I don't know going I can't in speak going in dry that. i don't, I don't know <laughs> all, I, I, all i know is stuff like that shouldn't happen but this yeah. is this is the world we live in where people will abuse almost any and every art style to Oh, y'all probably heard that on the radio, didn't you? That was my, that was my. Your burp? No, yeah. it was like an inner burp. You know, you oh, get yeah, your lungs. Yeah. Like you're like, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, I heard that in my headphones. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, dinos- the dinosaur burp. <laughs> oh, that's crazy though, man. So it's like, a, it's like Rule Thirty Four breaking out of the internet. Man, there's there's yeah. just so much stuff that I mean, it's every art style becoming you know a, like a, it's like the porn version of wrestling. Right, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stupid stuff like. It's like the people abuse the MMA, like, oh, this is an MMA fight. And then you click it, and it's like two girls wrestling in, in drawstring bikinis, and they're not wrestling. They're doing other stuff. And they're like, this is yeah. – you just abuse. Depends on what website you're on, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, people just abuse it, man. Like, this uh, – I don't know. The art the art world 
it's one of those things where it's, it's it can be really beautiful or really ugly, and it goes for any style of art. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's pretty gruesome. It can be because people they abuse people's imaginations, and then they'll abuse the platform. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't know. It's just I'm glad I don't ever have to worry about that kind of stuff. Do you see like uh, the industry changing going forward? Like I know, yeah. Um, for example, like Tyson's probably going to have to do a bunch of crazy shit now. Like, do you see like any changes in wrestling? Um, yeah. Um, one, I, there's going to be some changes made that has nothing to do with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, I don't, you probably don't see this cause you're not probably in the inner circles of wrestling or whatnot, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the wrestling world right now. A lot of allegations left and right uh, for like misconduct when it comes to sexually or maybe bullying or stuff like that. People are getting called out. So a lot of talent's going to lose their jobs. Um, the, co- the way business will be handled is going to probably change where, you know, how people book uh, other talent or how they communicate with talent among talent. There's a lot of things that are going to change when it comes to relationship business relationships in the world of wrestling. And that's from top to bottom from WWE down. There's mm-hmm. guys in WWE just getting fired right now for stuff. Like misconduct? Wow. Yep. I can. I mean, you're probably going to start seeing more. Like um, WWE already does a really good job in checking you out, making sure you're not like a crazy individual and does stuff. But I think there's going to be more of an investigation moving yeah. forward on like who you are, a deeper – a deeper study because they already check your social media and stuff like that. I think they're now they're going to probably start checking people's uh, uh, relationships. Like, how yeah. is this person behind closed doors? Because what we're finding out is this guy's a great talent in the ring and he does some great stuff. But ten years ago, he beat his ex girlfriend. Yeah. You know, or five years ago, or four years ago, whatever. You know, which doesn't make it right, regardless. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, uh, there's going to be and that's happening in the indie world as well. Like, it's just yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Chris D'Elia. He just got uh, called out for messaging seventeen and sixteen year olds. A lot of that, a lot of that's being brought forth, and I'm part of as a father. That I'm glad that's happening because mm-hmm. I have a daughter and she's two, um, and I know she's really young. And right now, I don't have to really worry about that. But I get to think, it's like, what if that was my daughter? Yeah, you know, like for her to have to hide that for however long. Um, you know that's a burden i don't want it on any woman nor my daughter to share a uh, bear so for them to share that stuff you know good because anybody that uh one tries to prey on somebody young mm-hmm. uh we, we were all 16 17 at one time we didn't think clearly yeah I none mean, of us we're all stupid under that age right yeah like yeah. you could back at a lot of us didn't have a good head on our shoulders either so at any time someone can come along and pitch us an idea that sounded good we more than likely went with it mm-hmm. and that's where you know as an adult one, you got to know, like, okay, I can't do that because I'm an adult and, you know, this is wrong and I shouldn't. And then you got to look at it, okay, what if this goes sour? This could backfire on me. Two, how serious do you take your job? Mm-hmm. Do you ever want to lose it? Then why would you do stuff that would risk you losing it? That's a great point. You know, because this stuff, like a friend of mine told me this years ago. She said, um, you know, one day uh, people's going to, gonna mess like start screenshotting these messages it wasn't between me and her so we were just talking in general like mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with wrestling just like a bunch of different stuff it's just like i'm you know i'm glad that you know um i'm glad that like she she was telling me she had cut ties with some people and whatnot but she had screenshots of stuff that those people had said to her and done to her and whatnot and i you know i had told her and, and encouraged her to go ahead and speak out then she's like no not, not, not now is not the right time 
but she said, you know, one day this is going to become a big movement. Like this is going to happen. Like people, because so this was, then she said, you just be careful. Like, because at the time I was single, yeah. you be careful what you stand and what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I'm you not know? single. This right is before I got into wrestling. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I, back, that's when I was like, all right, so uh, I need to see your ID before we start chit chatting. I need to mm-hmm. see, you know, are you of the age? And um, plus, I also have a rule. I have like a five year rule, five years older, five years younger. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, beyond that, then. Uh, that's, that's a good thing because. For me, I'm, I'm 26 and I'm just like. I see like eighteen year olds, nineteen year olds now, and I'm just like, you're yeah. a child to me. Yeah, like, you know, isn't that crazy? Yeah, like what we wouldn't even have anything in common to like exactly. talk about. I don't care how grown you look. I just yeah. I, I can hear you talk and hear <laughs> you like speak on things. I'm like, you're you're a child. Like, yeah. it doesn't work for me. Like, I absolutely. Can't do I don't. Nothing about that appeals to me. I feel the same. So, but no, it's going to change. It's definitely going to change. And with COVID stuff, um, I think I saw a video. I don't watch a lot of WWE mm-hmm. just because I try to spread it out and watch different stuff. Um, I think this past SmackDown, I saw that they had um, like um, plastic barriers. So when the fans start sitting there, they'll actually it look like a hockey ring to me. Mm. So maybe that's something we, that goes forward. Oh, um, like the uh, see-through. Yeah, yeah, okay. like, really like the plexiglass. Screens. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that's something that goes forward to keep mm-hmm. the talent from infecting the crowd and the crowd infecting the talent. So that mm-hmm. if you do come to a show, it's your complete choice mm-hmm. to come to this show. And that'll decrease the chances of some like drunk guy. Throwing running into the ring or throwing stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it does take away kind of the, the personal feel of being right there and mm-hmm. seeing the talent when you're front row and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if this kind of works for me. I don't – but, yeah, we'll see. Like, it's just like there's so much happening all at once. Yeah. It's really hard to say exactly what's going to come out of this. But luckily, wrestling has continued to, to thrive through this, and fans are uh, still hungry for it and are still showing up to shows yeah. and – People are itching to get out, man. Yeah. It's like, I think it's just like an American thing. When they tell us to do something, we're always like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Fourth of July is too close for you to be telling me to stay inside. How dare you? I don't know. I could ramble on this stuff for a while. So yeah. I mean, as you know, we had that show last night. Yeah. And like a ton of people came out. It was Nobody was wearing masks. It was just like, man, I'm glad. I'm, s- I'm so sorry I couldn't make it. I'm glad I'm not the only person who doesn't give a shit. So <laughs> it makes me... Makes me feel better about myself. Yeah, like I, I, I would, I would prefer people to wear a mask from mm-hmm. my experience because I know I called it from us not wearing masks. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're being smart, then you know, be smart. Like you don't have to wear a mask to be smart. I'm pro mask. I guess is that a thing? Pro mask. <laughs> pro mask. Vote for me. Um, but at the same time, but if you're being smart, okay, you're being smart. Like I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to live, and I don't mm-hmm. expect anybody to tell us how to live. But you know, I'd rather people not get sick. Yeah. Because honestly, like, and this is the truth. Like, yeah, he it didn't affect him. It didn't affect Jimmy. Like, it affected me. But what if you did get it and it affected you worse than it affected me? There's that That's is it. There's that possibility. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know like what factored in between you and him. You right. Know? Yeah. I mean, it could just be genetic. Something. Be. Something in your DNA. Something in your family line. Maybe that... I blame my father <laughs> on Father's Day today. <laughs> Oh yeah, happy Father's Day by the way. Cold hearted nothing. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. That's funny. I don't know, man. That's great. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see like if they can like isolate like what's causing some people to have symptoms and what's not, but I'll probably take time. A lot of time I think they don't want to use. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really want to cuz if they did, they would be working on it instead of 
all this bickering and fighting that they've been doing. I mean, I don't, I'm not very political, but I do pay attention to things. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of bickering and fighting. And if they could really were looking to give us an answer and really yeah. to take care of us, it wouldn't have took as long as it did. That's true. It is all. I mean, think about this. Politics. Think about this on a, on a personal level. Like, um, hypothetically speaking, you and your ladies not doing well. Something mm-hmm. happens. Out of just boom, I don't know where something happens. I mean, are you? Do you? Th- you know? Don't you think you would be best to be kind of proactive and kind of start working on a plan or getting started immediately? Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm just gonna let that simmer for a while and just let that eat at us, yeah. and let that fester, and let us see how bad it can get before, mm-hmm. or if it does get worse. Like, yeah. which would you rather risk? You know, maybe being proactive and possibly getting something hammered out faster and, you know, moving forward and getting things taken care of or because uh, sometimes you let stuff fester. Yeah. No, that's that's a great comparison. It's comparable to a relationship like just just communicate, just be as honest as possible with the public. Right. And, you know, we won't have to, like, look back and be like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if a politician would have come out and said, look, we don't know anything about anything at this current moment i think everybody would have been better off and when yeah. you got everybody telling us oh we're so educated on this opportunity we just know <laughs> we just know everything i know everything i promise you this is i'm the best and then you got other politicians bickering and fighting well he don't know anything he don't know anything or she don't know anything it's like god guys yeah. this, this, ain't, this ain't the time to fight it's cra- it's so crazy <laughs> that like all of our leaders can say literally whatever they want and then two weeks later be like I never said that. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Doesn't matter. (laughs) You didn't hear me correctly. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I just—it's just man. It's just I don't. Wow, the world. Our world right now really just needs a needs a kick in the butt, and I'm I'm hoping we get it soon because it it needs to be a positive one, a real positive one. Politics is rough. That's why I just don't do it. Yeah, I don't want it. It's like you get into it and then you don't even feel good. Like. It's toxic. Like talking with someone about yeah. it on Facebook, it never. God, it's toxic. Yeah. It's never like a good feeling. Like, look like, out, well, look this out. is uh, what I think about the Clintons and. Right. Just, just look at just look at the current situation <laughs> where like we're just talking about basic human rights and how the treatment yeah. of people, mm-hmm. just a basic treatment of people, and look how ugly people got. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, when then then you look at all right, well, let's argue about politics. People will shoot you over over their political standing. Literally shoot you mm-hmm. over their political thing. I voted for this guy, and it's just like, man, it's it, insane. It is wild. It is just if people would st- take a step back, calm down, take a breather, and just analyze things, and maybe do yeah. a little studying instead of you know, instead of relying on our our normal news media outlet yeah, or like, newspaper or whatever, just kind of study things. What does my favorite team think about this? Okay, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, is that, that's really what. That's really what it really boils down to is, well, if my president or my politician or my governor or my mayor says this, well, then, okay, that's good enough for me. Well, how, why don't you think for yourself and mm-hmm. go out there and kind of, like, research your own and yeah. kind of – I love people watching. And I think that's how I approach life and everything is I kind of watch and study and analyze and then, like, okay, my opinion is based off this. That's why I don't agree with this or that. Mm-hmm. Or this. I mean, so I wish more people did that. I think they would relieve themselves of a lot of unnecessary stress. Yeah, it'd be easier. It would be, but it's it'd be easier if we all use Facebook less. <laughs> yeah. It's fun See, sometimes. You got yeah. really quiet over there. I know. I, well, I mean, I'm, well, I know you, and I know that you like to talk a lot. I do too. But it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just like, oh, I can say something here, or I can say something here. But me and Brad hang out so much that we almost have the same opinion on something. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. 
My, well, that's, uh, my commentary was unnecessary for the allotted time. Get into the music. Yeah, let's do let's that. What, do you, do that. what are you guys up to right now as far as... Uh, I am, I'm working on a couple of projects. Actually, so... Um, like, well, you know this. We talked about it some. Was um, I was supposed to have pretty much like my first actual gig, and I was going to be playing at South by Southwest at a songwriter showcase, mm-hmm. where I was going to be uh, recorded and like videoed and all my stuff. And it's going to be sick. It's going to be the first time I was going to have like my songs recorded so I could share them. And I say, here, this is what I can do, mm-hmm. rather than like the little small bar there that we play and like mm-hmm. the same group of people know who I am. And I love that, but I wanted to share more. Um, that got canceled the exact same week that the whole lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I'm the I'm the kind of person where I'm really goal oriented, or I'm I need that because I can be really complacent and really le- lazy because I know I can write something and come up with something. It just mm-hmm. kind of comes naturally. Yeah. So I need an inspiration, and if I don't have an inspiration, I need a reason to continue doing what I'm doing. Um, I was playing at the Big Texan, which. Um, for people who don't know, I assume most of our demographic is here in Amarillo listening, but mm-hmm. uh, Big Texan is a big international tourist stop. So I would play there once or twice a week uh, consistently. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were still there. Actually, I was supposed to go back today, but I can't with my job, unfortunately. It's um, it's really physically demanding on my hands, and right now I can't really make a tight fist at all right now because I'm still not used to um, the work I'm doing. Oh, man. Yeah. Cutting meat? Uh, no, I'm working in the tannery. So we're working. We're made, taking the hides and turning them into leather, just trimming them off, shaping them, mm. um, getting the. Well, I just said getting the fat off of it, but yeah, mm. it's really labor intensive. Where mm-hmm. you're grabbing these hides that weigh anywhere from sixty to over a hundred pounds. Yeah, and just constantly, you know, just all day for eight to sometimes twelve hours because the hours are mm-hmm. crazy there. Makes sense. So you're not yeah. able to like come home and play the guitar. No, and when I. Like, if I have the time to, I'm not able to right yeah. now. But in light of everything that's been happening, because I spent the whole quarantine and had, like, a game plan, like, yeah, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. Well, I got sick right off the bat from it mm-hmm. and lost all inspiration I had to do anything creatively. So I spent two months without even, like, looking at it because I'm just like, I don't really know what to blah, blah, blah. I'm just kind of going about life and just – I re- did a lot of self-reflection – yeah. And figured out some other things, but musically nothing was going on. And literally with everything that's gone on recently with the death of George Floyd and everyone finally coming back and readjusting to society, it's weird because it really does feel like you were in a hole for a long time and then coming up like, okay, here's people. And even now I'm feel like I'm just anxious mm-hmm. um just being here. But it's really good to lend itself into the things I'm working on and writing right now because I've always been really emotionally fueled towards something mm-hmm. because when it came to music, uh, I was really just, it's always been an expression. It's always been a way to deal with my problems. So if I don't really have anything going on, then there's nothing going to go ha- come out. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when it comes to playing and giving something to someone, it's, it's that same basis I had when I was going with jazz. Mm-hmm. I want people to experience something. Um, and that's kind of the one disconnect that me and Brad has because he'll say, all right, do this many covers, do this many covers. So that way you can get them hyped up. Okay. They like you now give them something original to me. I, I just don't care. I'd rather give 
an audience and experience mm-hmm. and have my song set up in one way or another where it's not about playing what they like. It's about playing something that I think is real and people I think will connect with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of gotten me the traction that I've had so far as little nice. as it is. So yeah, you got to find that, that yeah. balance of what you want to do and you know what the people want to hear. Cause so. to me, it's really more important. It's more about, being an artist than trying to be famous and mm-hmm. get and make it. Yeah. Even though I'm kind of like right now working on, I would really like to have music be a full-time profession. Yeah. And you want to make sure you're having fun up there. For sure. I think it's like with comedy, we can kind of like relate to that. Like I, um, I try to bring like new material every time I perform mm-hmm. and you have to find a balance between like fixing up what you already have and polishing it. Yeah. But if I just do old stuff, I'm going to get bored. So I yeah. have to like try something different mm-hmm. every time, even if it totally sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never been the kind of person to just like, oh, this is what everyone likes. This is what everyone does. You should do that. And I was like, mm-hmm. do I like it? That's, you know, but I mean, everybody does music for one reason or another. And I, I haven't met a lot of people who are just like, oh, I just want to be famous and sing. Um, Amarillo's got this great musical scene here with yeah. all these people where everyone has their own individual like voices and expressions that they want to share and that's what's important to them and that's what's important to me and that's why I'm I'm really happy with what's going on right now. Yeah, the music scene is great. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, underground just because it's not, you know, like mm-hmm. our art scene isn't really at the, like the forefront of Amarillo. Right. You kind of have to dig into it, but once you do, it's like it's awesome. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, you find you find a lot of good talent here. Once you start digging into the art scene, it's you know it's very uh, a lot of unique talent too. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dig it. So, yeah, I've just been trying to push him to to really follow what he what his heart tells him. And yeah, we do have that disconnect where I feel like uh, when you're you're playing in a bar, mm-hmm. and then they've never heard you before. They're gonna they're they're eventually gonna like your stuff if you keep, if you come back enough you know they they might like it the first time, but the second time you come back, are they gonna remember that song you played? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the way I, I this is the way I like I, I coming from I got my music start in Tennessee, so the way I kind of look at it is even some of the biggest names will still do a cover here and there mm-hmm. and it pops the crowd they're like oh my god yes uh and what was it zach brown did an acdc so mm-hmm. i had to go back and look they did like a little acdc and it popped the crowd the crowd lost their absolute mind mm-hmm. and the shortly after they played like a brand new song yeah and the brand new song was probably going to hit regardless but now people are like man yeah heck yeah i'm already a zach brown fan but now i'm even more of a zach brown fan mm-hmm. because they killed that song and that song mm-hmm. is awesome and then oh a new song okay great awesome this is phenomenal i'm down because you know why that, that ACDC song and it's not this is where we get that disconnect where it's not where I'm, I feel like I'm selling myself short um, by doing a cover or pandering to the crowd I'm just okay well hey you know I have my own original tip material but guess what I can do this song by so and so and it sounds really good and I hope you like it and they do love it and next thing you know you you know they they're now they're in tune with you Mm-hmm. You know, you've caught their attention. Yeah. Now they're listening. Now you can play whatever you want. You can mm-hmm. do the ABCs. They're going to be like, oh, man, that's phenomenal. Where'd you it's get that from? Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> you know? many ways to approach it. 
No, it's, it's not. It's not wrong either. Yeah. Either way, is wrong. And well, I think one has more of a risk. And there's nothing wrong with taking risk. Mm. It's just you know, if you're brand new to a scene, you know, um, just you know, I just just run, giving giving him some advice. If you're brand new to a scene, try to try to do yourself favors. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not just. He's he's been doing a great job, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, I kind of thought like I'm his manager or something. He's been doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. He's been doing a great Brad's job. Brad's pretty much my big brother and mentor and everything else. Like we've had so many parallels in our lives, whether we were traveling or we were doing something or like entertaining this option of like wearing this kind of hat, whether it was like MMA, because I did like MMA training and getting ready for professional wrestling to get in physical shape. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we already had a background in music and we knew what it was like performing and being in front of a crowd and having that natural um, charisma and just um, comfortability in front of a crowd and people like, but yeah, that was always the one thing. Cause whenever it comes to me and music, I'm still going back to jazz where in a, if I'm playing a solo, you know, you're not going to remember, Oh, this high note or that note or blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's about what I can make you feel. Yeah. And because I'll do a lot of covers, but I'll do covers that kind of like serve the purpose of like bringing it up or bring it up or down, but never for the sake of I'm going to play this because I know you'll connect with it and you'll like it. Mm-hmm. I, that never have I done that, at least yet anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not something I won't do. It's just I'm not going to go out there and be like a cover band with or a cover guy yeah. with some songs. I'm an artist and yeah. I want, I don't care if you remember a single song after you leave. I just want to know how I made you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going up there and enjoying yourself mm-hmm. and they can respond to it. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Very nice. You got to hear my very first, uh, my very first album today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Didn't you say you did, uh, recorded the drums for one of Taylor Swift's albums? No, I'm not going to talk about that. No? <laughs> no I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, let's not get into that. I don't, that's just a weird time in my life. Uh, yeah, I started off as a drummer, yeah, so mm-hmm. I know I was 11 years old and when I did my first album. And so I've been, that's where my stuff comes from is, um, I started off, started with nine when I started playing the drums. I did my first album at 11. And, um, like your first, like, not a solo, I was a drummer for a, oh, for okay. a, a Southern gospel, not really Southern gospel. The way I put it is if we were kind of like Leonard Skinner, if they did, if they did Christian music mm-hmm. and, my, and the, that's the kind of the way I look at it. Um, 11 year old drummer. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I was sounded good too. Yeah, I was a kid, man. And wow. Just a, just a kid with the, the blonde bowl cut and running around <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing electric drums for a, for a, a Christian band. It's which, hard for me to picture you with hair. It, you know, a lot of people have that hard. It's time. still weird seeing some of the pictures. Yeah, like it's like, I look I like a normal human being with hair. <laughs> uh, but no, like that's one way to put it. But then you know, like uh, I've taken breaks on and off to pursue different things. Like I went to college and played uh, football, but somehow, some way, I still found my way over to the uh, the music department and got a scholarship for playing drums and doing choir and at, on top of. Uh, and that was my third year of college. Man. I just was like, you know what? I, I want to get back into music, you know? It, so I took like two years off of not doing any, any music and went and did that. And, uh, on top of playing football. And when I got out of college, I started a, a contemporary Christian band and we, mm-hmm. we traveled all over Tennessee, man. We were, we were on fire. We had a show, at least one or two shows a week for almost a year. And I mean, for, 
for music for a, for a Christian band mm-hmm. that was strictly contemporary Christian on the equivalent of like a Third Day or Jeremy Camp mm-hmm. or somewhere along those lines, back when those two bands were still very very hot, um, we were getting opportunities left and right, and eventually even got signed, um, and uh, then it fell apart. And this is the tragic story of my life just continues to cycle through again and again. <laughs> but uh, then I, then I, well, we were still signed, but since the band broke up, I took the opportunity just to do a solo album. Did okay with that. And then after, I kind of fell out of love with music mm-hmm. after that. Like I was hurt. I was really hurt because I put my heart and soul into our band, New Leaf. And um, I was really, really hurt. And then I went through my first divorce and that just, all that just kind of accumulated to like, I'm done with music. Mm-hmm. I had man, I had had this set of Slingerland drums that were really old school. It's what Buddy Rich used to play. I had those, and I, I just loved those drums and treasured them. They were really old from 1968. So old those drums were. Nice. And uh, sold those for like seven thousand um, dollars. I had like four or five guitars. I, I, had a, I know I had at least one bass and amp. I had a bunch of different pedals and all this different. And I was never a great guitar player, but just a good solid rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a full full PA system which we sold and kind of split the money between mm-hmm. me and the last remaining guy of the band um, and just got rid of everything do you miss any of those items you sold oh there is a Dean acoustic electric guitar that I sold that they don't make anymore Whew. and I can't find it anywhere it's, it's not available anywhere I can't find it on eBay I can't find anybody that's willing that's to sell crazy. one I just want it. Like I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't even touch the guitars anymore. Like I, I did for a couple months um, when Jimmy moved in and he started doing music, and then I just kind of like. Uh, I, I saw you playing a little bit. It's there, mm-hmm. but the, the 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 fire and the desire to perform isn't. Yeah. Not not as a singer or guitar player. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the the passion to play drums again is coming along. I just visited my former brother-in-law in Nashville. Uh, Vinny Van Zant or Big Vinny, mm-hmm. uh, he was he's part of a band called Trailer Choir. They they toured with Toby Keith for a while, and he's kind of a big deal in Nashville. He does a lot of songwriting, and he's like I said, a kind of a big deal. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and um, he uh, he was telling me he's like, you know what, you know, he's got some things he's thinking about doing. I was like, you know what, if you do that, I, I might pick the drums back up, like legit. Like if you do that and you need a drummer, I think I'm I'm down. And I've even told Jimmy like, you know. I'm, I'm really looking and getting an acoustic set again, and maybe I'll help you out when you play jazz, and we'll do a little. Because mm-hmm. there's something about jazz you can do a saxophone and a, and drums, and that's all you need, and it will get down. Mm-hmm. And you can just get nasty with it. Jazz you can't is dope. really you really can't do that with any other style. Try doing metal with a with a guitar and drums. You got to have a bass. You got to mm-hmm. have a you got to have something extra in there. You know, for sure. And or even country with acoustic guitar and drums. You got to have something else in there. Mm-hmm. So with jazz though, it's just that you just only need those two things, and you can get you can get just get nasty. Oh yeah, I like getting nasty. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I'm looking and getting some drums, and I think that's if I if and when I get back into it heavily. It'll mm-hmm. be when my wrestling schedule lightens up and uh, when I fully commit to, you know, grabbing a pair of sticks again and going at it. Yeah, you balance a lot of things. It's, yeah. You've, you've done a lot for how long you've been alive. It's impressive. <laughs> well, I just, like I, I joked about it. I'm a, I'm, uh, some people don't think that being a 
th- some people think that being a, a jack of all trades and a master of none is a bad thing. When I die, I've always had this uh, this mindset. When I die, I want to say, look at all the cool things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Like, I want to say, yes, I experienced these things. Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with someone saying, hey, I went and done this one thing, and I was accomplished at this one thing. Look at what I did with this one thing. Mm-hmm. But that person can't give me advice on how can I be successful or how can I go do this with mm-hmm. music or do this with art or do this with wrestling or this with football or this with weightlifting mm-hmm. or this with writing a story or a book or poems or whatever, whatever it may be. Or how do I fix a car? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I'd sure. rather learn everything I can learn and have this vast book of knowledge than to have a, a four page essay of how to do one thing. Yeah. That's kind of the way I've been looking at it ever since. Cause I worked in insurance for like three years and then I lost that job. So then I was like, I hated that job anyway. I'm going to go like find jobs that are fun. I'm just going to go try a bunch of shit out. So that's why like I did personal training. I was like, I'll see how that goes. And then I was a barista for several weeks and I was like, okay, that's not for me either. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm just trying to like try out fun stuff. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm a glorified <laughs> butcher right now. Never in my yeah. life would I think I'm a glorified butcher to make ends meet. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm prepping your steaks, <laughs> you know, like I always thought I'd do something like be a police officer or a firefighter or mm-hmm. something along those lines because that's kind of like how my family operated or being carpentry, which I know how to do carpentry. I know how to build a house. I know nice. how to run. I know how to run electricity. I don't know. You know, I got to know how to do that stuff, but I don't have that desire to go do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I cut the faces off of dead animal skins. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm literally a leather face. <laughs> no. Aware I don't go my that penis. far. <laughs> <laughs> Tuck it. It's bad that my name's Jimmy because that's the old one joke that goes around the cold time. Do you ever so, cut the Jimmy off? No, that's not our. That's we deal with cows. Cows, without, cows without dicks. You don't. That would be a bull. I'm sorry. I've worked. I work with you, and I thought we killed man and female. We're not equal opportunity. I don't know. What we are a sexist Wait, company. The cow is That's, exclusively female? Yeah, cows are female and bulls are male. Oh, see, I thought cow was like an umbrella and then there was yeah. like... But yeah, I never yeah, thought about yeah. what the female would be I called. I thought a heifer. I thought it was a heifer. heifer well, yeah, heifer know. and bull. I guess you, I guess they all are technically cows, but I always... If you're listening to this... <laughs> if I see a bull, then I always Correct. call it a bull. I don't call it a cow. I'm just, you know... Unless it doesn't have balls and you call it a steer. That's true. Yeah. It's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this the deepest subject of the day? I don't know. <laughs> it's like anyway, everything else was like, yeah, let me just talk. And it's like, no, let's let's really figure this out. Like, we, mm-hmm. we definitely know that equally tastes good. You know, good. So, yeah. I want to put that out there. Do you know? Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah, appreciate it for sure. <laughs> very, very lovely. Oh, very yeah. Awesome. And, yeah, so I'm, I did comic, I did comic book. Uh, artwork for a while too really Holy not shit, for dude. a major company or anything but me and my buddy in high school we like created our own comic book and everything and you've probably seen some of my drawings I've shared right here and there I don't know it's very Jim Lee-ish 1990s X-Men I style. don't think so that's cool yeah do everything man yeah. it's crazy I, I'll put myself over on that because I really love that stuff like <laughs> that drawing was my first love do you ever go to bed yeah. <laughs> I mean, I stayed up till four o'clock last mo- this morning, but yeah. That's funny. I, I really do. I, 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 it's like, it's weird. Like, I'll pick my days where I'm doing different stuff, and mm-hmm. then there's days I don't do anything. Wow. I mean, wrestling is like where it's at right now yeah. for me. Like, I, there's nothing going to, other than being a dad, mm-hmm. nothing going to top. So you want, like, wrestling to be, like, your main? I would love it. Oh, if, if if not physically in the ring, I would love to work backstage for WWE as a, mm-hmm. as a, a creative content guy or 
somebody that helps write the stories or someone that helps, uh, you know, um, puts the matches together or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just – I sit in locker rooms and I hear guys put on mat, you know, talk about the matches or talk about the characters. I'm like, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Yeah. And my creative juices get to flowing. I'm like, why didn't I think of this good stuff for myself? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but, like, I really love helping people out. Yeah. I really love teaching people. So awesome. when it when it, when it comes to – I would love a job backstage mm-hmm. if I can't do anything else, or maybe one day building up a build up a big enough resume to coach, teach. That'd be dope. You know, I, yes. I just I don't, I'm not the best. I'm never going to claim that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to claim that I have the greatest grasp on the entire business as a whole. But man, when it comes to some things, like especially creator, like creating your character and how to do stuff with your character, I just don't. I don't. I don't. Just stuff comes to my head, and I don't know where it comes from, but. I can create just about anything for any character, something mm-hmm. fresh and unique. If someone takes it and runs with it, that's on them. And I'm never mad about it but because everybody has their own picture in their head of what they want to do. But, you know, kind of like with, with Jimmy, like with his his character, I was like, hey, you know, try this, try this, try this, try this, try mm-hmm. this. You know, watch this movie, watch this movie, listen to this music, you know. There were a and, lot of iterations of that character too because originally I thought of, like, what if we do something where this guy's completely out of his mind, like, I spoke about myself in the third person as if I was doing dramatic TV trailers. Mm -hmm. So I'd come out and I'd be like, in a world full of bad type castings, one man. And that's, I would try, I'd do promos coming in like that, like in there with a leather jacket on with like this, like stupid singlet with like an American, with an Eagle on it and these bright, shiny silver boots and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just going way out in left field coming in trying to be this really fun character and I mean that's really all it's about is just like telling a story getting people invested and I really like I'm of the opinion and it's it's really shared up in the northeast especially where I was trained I was trained in uh, the monster factory by Danny Cage um, and specifically by uh, his name's Damian Priest he's currently in NXT in the WWE right now formerly Punishment Martinez for Ring of Honor and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they are, they're very much of the opinion like, hey, the veil has been pulled off. Let's take advantage of it. You know, um, It's okay that we can show that like in the back we're friends or we're respectable. You know, We're all just people. We're putting on a show for the fans, giving them a good time and everything. And because of that, now it's like, oh, no, it's not. A, when I say fake, people think, oh, it used to be a real contact sport. Like people are fighting. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is a show. This is all entertainment. Yeah. However, now we can take advantage of the fact that it's entertainment. It's okay if I like reach into my trunks and I pull out, everyone thinks it's a gun because I might do something like saying, oh, I've got a gun and it's a banana. Yeah. Like, and they're just like, before it would be like, why is he doing this? This is stupid. Why did he fall over? Cause that guy pointed a banana at him. It's like, no. Now it's part of the show. Mm-hmm. Now it's fun. Yeah. We're okay with what we're doing, you know? For sure. Yeah. yeah. And there are crowds in on it, having more fun. Especially exactly. now, the crowd is definitely, I mean, the only people that's really not in on it is the children. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they, some kids still believe in the animated cartoons and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, those mm-hmm. are real things. So, yeah, like, so yeah, you want to keep their innocence alive. But anybody that's old enough to browse and read the internet or even just log yeah. on to the WWE network already know that. The jokes, jokes out. Like, yeah. <laughs> is it physical? Yes, a hundred percent. It's physical. Yes, it, it hurts. hurts. <laughs> yeah. There's nights I couldn't sleep after. Yep. There was a there was a weekend. I did. Uh, it was Arkansas and Tennessee. I think it was another three mm-hmm. day or a four day thing. I did. 
and I was so beat. He had to drive the entire yeah. thing. I couldn't drive. I was so beat up wow. from that entire week. I was exhausted. Just I did. Oh man, I I did. No, it was yeah. I did t- Texas, Arkansas, and Tennessee, and then drove back all the way back from Memphis to to Amarillo, and that's like a fifteen hour drive. Oof. When you yeah. do, when you make it that route, those drives are fun though. Um, are they? Yeah. Not, well, for, not for when me, I'm that beat up. No. I, <laughs> I've always really loved those long road trips. Like, it was something I was, like, raised up on. My dad was in the oil fields in, like, really far away town. So, we'd drive for, like, hours and hours on end. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, okay, what do I have this weekend? All right, cool. It's 24-hour straight shot. Done. Mm-hmm. Do that. And then it's another couple hours somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else. And then that much farther to get all the way back nice. again. So, yeah, I enjoy road trips. When I was a kid, I... I hated road trips, mm-hmm. and then I grew up, and I realized, no, I just hate road trips with my family. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we traveled a lot as as, as kids because uh, we lived in the Panhandle of Florida, so it was very easy for us to go visit other states. We were mm-hmm. very close. So, like, the Tennessee, where my son lives, is like an eight-hour drive, and it's like mid middle Tennessee. So just to break into Tennessee is like a six-hour drive. Like, that's Dallas to here, right? So mm-hmm. to me, getting to the location where I need to be for a booking is not a problem. I mean, I, I want to uh, – about a year ago, drove to West Virginia for a show. Got there and, and got there early. A 19-hour drive. Got there before the ring and before the company got there. But it was the drive home that got me. I, was, I didn't stop. I stopped to pee and get gas. That was it to get there. On the way back, I was like, all right, we got to stop here. We got to stop here. I need some sleep. We're going to stop here. I'm exhausted. And that's where the road trip kind of gets uh, hard when you, when it's just you and one other person or if it's just you by yourself. Mm-hmm. Because the drive home, everybody's tired. Yeah. Yeah, everybody, everybody's tired. But road tripping is so – man, I just love it. That's why I'm thinking now is, like, do we, do we drive this upcoming weekend to to, uh, to Jackson, Tennessee, to do these TV tapings? Or do I do, I do need, it? Do I need to just fly? Do I need to rent a car? Like, this is one of these things where, like, I really love riding. Yeah. Flights might be really cheap right now. I think 300 It's like 300 bucks, which is be about what I'd spend – well, I'd spend about half that in gas mm. to get there. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's exciting. Well, seems like a good time to do the wrap-up questions. I don't usually have a – I haven't had more than one guest on in a while, but um, I'll just ask them and what's, just answer them one at a time. Okay. What's wrapping up? I don't I don't get it. It's where, like, uh, it you – It means you're about to not be able to get to talk anymore. Oh, okay. yourself. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. I got four – three kids. Come down to an end. Of, so I don't yeah. know what wrapping up. You have three kids you don't know of? Three kids that, that I know of. Oh. <laughs> Got three kids I never heard of. I shouldn't have said that. Now someone's gonna call me. Get the Unity Cup. Get this child. It's yours. Pulling out is not that hard, at least in my experience. I need to knock on wood. We all have. (laughs) We all have our preferences. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, so um, I'll just answer whoever wants to answer first. What is your idea of or your definition of success? My definition of success, I think, would be in a place where you feel more than just content. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like, they find something, it's like, yeah, this is what works, this is what's going on. Um, for me, success would be being able to do something I enjoy and letting, like, having the confirmation that, like, I'm getting something back from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, to me, I think that was that would be success. Nice. Um, to me... Um, I kind of came to this conclusion after visiting a lot of headstones um, of people I know and friends and family. 
when I'm in the ground or my ashes are spread, whichever, when people speak my name, what's the legacy there? Mm-hmm. So it's not, to me, it's not really money. It's not really fame. It's what do I leave behind? Yeah. You know, well, how are people going to speak of me right now? People will speak to my face and be all friendly and lovey and just, you know, all this stuff. But when I'm dead and gone, how will you speak of me? Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, that legacy to me is, uh, is my form. My idea of success is leaving a positive legacy, no matter what that may be is someone that speaks out and stands for what he believes is correct. Someone that loved his children, no matter what the situation or someone who, Never gave up and chased after his dreams, no matter how hard things got or what. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I just – I don't want to leave a negative legacy. I want mm-hmm. it to be a, a rich legacy, and I want people to learn from my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was listening to uh, – I think it was like Kevin Hart, and he was just saying that uh, like the point of life is just set up the next generation. Yeah. Like, And that's like – the most basic, awesome. Yeah, people get so caught up. <laughs> people get so caught up in how much money they have in their banking account. But here's 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 the thing, is you can become rich tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can also be broke tomorrow. So how important is that? Yeah. You now you know what I'm saying, like mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, a lot of people have experienced that recently. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely, and I'm gonna. Man, there was there was a thought I had in my head, but I lost it. What was it? Oh yeah. Okay. There was a, a quote. I don't even remember, remember where it was from, but it said, uh, "You're not like dead until people stop saying your name." So that kind of goes with the, like the legacy thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about like some people in history who they did a lot of wonderful things, but mm-hmm. accomplished just one thing, and we still talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Just one thing, and we still talk about them. And it's been a hundred years, but mm-hmm. you know, Achilles. I don't even know what he did. Well, I know he other got than, shot in the foot. Other than no. getting his, other than getting his tendon sliced, I mean, I mean, uh, the whole the whole story of Troy, you mm-hmm. know, as tragic as it is, it's still uh, something that spoke about and talked about, and still a topic because they just recently made a new Netflix series about it. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. Well, what kind of legacy legacy will you live leave for sure or I, live? You can. Live. I wonder about that. Like, is there going to be like, like a time hundreds of years from now where like United States is looked at like ancient Greece? Mm. It's like, look at these retards, you know? We're just falling <laughs> apart. <laughs> I'll be happy when we start wearing togas again. Can you imagine a nice summer day and a breeze hits yeah. you right in the middle of the toga? Just, uh, I've been know. there. Yeah. That feels, sounds good. No more wet farts. I never went to a toga party, but, uh, <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> but it's a good time. I've dressed balling. up as Jesus for Halloween a couple of times. I think that's about as close as I got to a toga. No underwear? No one. <laughs> Nice. Never. Why is Jesus clapping when he walks? What's making that sound? Because I brought the cakes. Oh, <laughs> last supper, last dessert. Is that a strudel? <laughs> Said his German disciple. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Can you uh, hand me a beer? Since you asked so nicely. Thank you. You know Please. you have a great radio voice. You yeah, really I do. Maybe I've that's kind of like maybe that's what you need. I realized to get that into. after I started doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Next yeah. question: yeah. Um, If you could make everyone in the world do something for thirty days, regardless of what it is, just make everybody for thirty days straight just do something or stop doing something. Um, what would it be? 
Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm going to just kind of just because I, this has been a very hot topic and very personal topic for me, and I won't get into the reason why it's personal, mm-hmm. but um, I would really love for every prejudiced and racist person right now who is refusing to give any ground to um, to anybody other than their own race refusing to back down from their their ridiculous beliefs I would love for them to go live during the time of slavery kind of like a like a flashpoint thing mm-hmm. go spend a day in slavery then spend a day during the civil rights movement during that time period then spend a day in the 80s as someone of color mm-hmm. specifically the black community go live like they yeah. did go 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 be put through the things they're put through because not just the physical things but the things society has done to them as well go live like them mm-hmm. and then come back to 2020 and tell me that we're a superior race or they've got it easy because mm-hmm. that's been a lot a big argument or they're victims yeah. or they're they're crime victim go live like them mm-hmm. and then come back and let's let's hear what you what yeah. you got to say but yeah it's it's easy to have that opinion when you're not educated or yeah. you think you have the idea that oh you weren't a slave your parents weren't a slave it doesn't affect you well, a lot of this is coming from I hate to be this bluntly but but a lot of this is coming from people's ninth and tenth grade history lessons in high school. That's the last time they picked up a history book. Yeah, absolutely. You get what I'm saying? Like the last thing they read was a paragraph in a history book that glances over American history. They haven't picked up anything since then. Yeah, I mean, civil rights was maybe a chapter. Slavery maybe. was briefly talked about. When there's books upon books mm-hmm. upon books, 300 pages plus long, that gives you explicit, deep details of the ins and outs of the political parts that it took to get us out of slavery mm-hmm. and to get us out of uh, segregation and to give us equal get not us but give the black community equal rights and there's there's books upon books that also show the opposition to that so why wouldn't you go and study and see both sides of the argument and sure. see how just stupid and and ugly the the, the racist rhetoric is mm-hmm. you know and it's just but people they think that that education they got is more than and we can get really deep into this but <laughs> they think that education they got is 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 enough Mm-hmm. But they can't tell you about the, the the Tuskegee experiment that lasted to 1974. Oh, yeah. They can't tell you about That's how awful. how crack and stuff like that was introduced into the black communities mm-hmm. exclusively. They can't tell you how the Bronx was specifically um, set up in a certain way to keep black communities the way they are, mm-hmm. and how they, they they continuously fall apart over and over and yeah. over. They're not going to teach you about um, uh, Black Wall Street. Yeah. A lot of that stuff isn't being brought to light to the public until recently, anyway. For sure, yeah. I didn't know about Black Wall Street until probably like a year ago. Yeah, I learned about I learned about it about three years ago when I stumbled upon it. Mm-hmm. I just stumbled. I was like, "What is this? What is? I've never heard of this." And I was like, "Whoa! I never knew." Yeah, it's and crazy. Don't you think that's something that our history classes should mm-hmm. go over? Yeah, you know, like it's it's, a, it's crazy to me. That's something mm-hmm. like even economics, even your economics class should at least touch on something like yeah, that, right? Like, I don't know. I just it seems like, you know, we learn Social about, studies? Well, where's, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's, we didn't study about that. It's the social studies. Where, mm-hmm. Where's that at? Like, oh, we learn about, like, all these, like, famous inventors and stuff. But I, it's like, there's so many, like, like black people, you know, who invented great things that we yes. don't ever really talk about. Exactly. It's yeah. like, these are, like, 
these young kids have someone to look up to. We hear about Fred, Frederick who Douglass. And who isn't it. like a rapper or, you know, right. LeBron James. Like, they can be like, oh, look, there's a black scientist. I could be like this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I could... They give you one. Accomplish that. As when I grew up, it was one. There was only one. It was Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass. Yeah. That was it. That's all we got. And I got thinking about it the other day, too. I was like, I think I learned more about foreign politics and foreign social statuses than I did about the black community from school. I learned more about Russia and yeah. China than I did about anybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you grew up in uh, Florida, right? Mostly Florida, some Tennessee. Okay. So it's pretty much the same curriculum. It's a yeah. southern, southern style curriculum. It Texas seems has its... in my history class, Texas or in Texas, yeah. Um, well, we we stopped pretty much learning like history in depth after the Civil War. After right. then, the history I'm books about, are kind of like I'm and then social this, studies as this well. This happened, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm including social studies. Oh, okay, in, yeah, because you had history and you had social studies. Because we didn't really we covered civil rights a little bit. We didn't really cover either World War, like really, or like Vietnam. Yeah, I was just mm-hmm. like, why aren't we talking more in depth about that's this? Wild. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Texas yeah. history was huge. Like we were big on oh, yeah. Alamo well, and yeah. shit yeah. like that. But Texas like, history was fun. Like, I'm, well, Texas has a lot more history than Florida and Tennessee does. So. Like, um, I didn't learn about the world wars until I got out of high school and just started looking into stuff. And I'm see, still I, I, very ignorant on it. I'm, I'm blessed and cursed. Like, not really a curse, but blessed and kind of not blessed. But, but where I went to college at Bethel University in McKenzie, Tennessee, it's still very rural uh, West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But um, our social um, – our social well, – it's not social studies um, – I can't remember the name of the class off the top of my head. But we studied about, like, we, that's the first time I ever heard of the, uh, the Tuskegee experiment. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that's wild. And then I also learned about the, um, uh, the I can't remember the name of the island, where the they raised young boys to, uh, like, women, because there's a shortage of women on the island. And so these boys do everything a woman does other than give birth. Wait, who did this? Ex- I think it's, the, I want to say pygmies. I'm not sure if it's 100% that, but it's one of those, one of those islands um, mm-hmm. out there. But, it's a culture that's been in existence from as far as they can go back, where they take the most feminine-looking little boy and raise him up like a woman. Wow. Yeah. And like I, I was like, I didn't know this stuff ex- existed. You know? And it's like, don't you think stuff like that's important, in, especially mm-hmm. in today's world? Like, yeah. don't you think that kind of stuff is very important to kind of learn? I learned about the guy that got ran over by the the tank or stood next, stood in front of the tank with his two grocery bags. I learned about that. What was it, China? China, yeah. Yeah, I learned about that. I learned about the, the Russian... Uh, about the about their government and all that stuff, the Berlin Wall and all that. Mm-hmm. I learned all about all that, but nothing about black rights or b- mm-hmm. the black community or anything about um, anything that really holds any weight here in America. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Nice. So well, sorry we went off on a tangent. Sorry, we did. <laughs> <laughs> no, this I'd, has been PBS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say it's I something similar but at the same time uh to me rather than if you, you people don't really want to learn history until they take an interest mm-hmm. and to sway someone's opinion because everyone's so opinionated right now and it's if you're opposed to me in any kind of way then you're completely wrong um i was i watched remember the titans the other night um which is you know really relevant to the times we're having right now where you know it's We've been integrated for decades now. Such a great movie, but yes. it feels like, <laughs> but it feels like a like we haven't. It feels like the lines are being drawn all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But there's a point where uh, the coach says, for every day, I want you to meet and hang out and talk with one of your teammates. And you will continue doing this every single day and report mm-hmm. back and say something. And I feel like if we were doing the whole the whole human race for 30 days, mm-hmm. you know, rich rich children or, or poor children to rich billionaires, religion to religion, race to race, just people getting to know each other. And hopefully it's just like we can break some of the boundaries down. We can like break these biases people have been mm-hmm. raised with that, you know, maybe it's maybe because a lot of the times I feel like these biases aren't a fault of their own. It's just a product of their environment. Yeah, the way absolutely. it goes. Um, and that's where a lot of these things happen. But at the same time, you know, where I feel like our generation now is finally at a point where it's like we're going to question everything, mm-hmm. um, question our religion, question our beliefs. That's why we're getting and having more progress now. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if that was done on a global scale, um, it might not happen in our lifetimes, but isn't the whole point of being somewhere to like to to try to make it better, to try to advance it? You know, mm-hmm. that's what I was. I would like to hope to think because I mean I remember being a kid and growing up and being like yeah, the whole human race is going to go colonize outer space and we're going to be flying around and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead, we have all this infighting and saying, you know, uh, my heritage and or yeah. this and whatever. And it's, you know. That is crazy. Because yeah. I remember being a young kid and just being like. So hopeful. Yeah, like there's there's no way there's that many racists out there. Like everyone's probably raised well, you know. Everyone right. probably loves everyone. And then you and get older sudden, and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, no, right, yeah. No, yeah. no way. <laughs> Especially when I, w- the way I grew up, I was like, okay, like me and my brother was talking about this recently, because um, I had challenged I had challenged him with something, and I and he couldn't give me an answer, and I started with, what you to think about this? We spent a lot of time in the black community in the area that which we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, our dad was had a mentor that was black. He was also a police officer and worked uh, his main route and where he was you know, pretty much in charge of patrolling was the black community. And so he made friends there and mm-hmm. some people he grew up with and went to high school with became pastors and community leaders in the black community. And so we spent a lot of time there in support of their churches and going to barbecues and, and spending time with his, uh, his mentor's house who taught him how to play baseball and all this different stuff. So we were there a lot. We even lived with, with a black family for a while because you know times got tough and mm-hmm. they, they took us in. And I asked him, I said, I want you to think around, I look around and think, uh, like, how many other white families did you see in the black community when we were there? And he was like, none, if I can remember correctly. I said, exactly. I said, now I want you to think back in high school, one side of the county, uh, we had some, some black people in our school, but then the other, and we were close to, I, w- I want to say we were close to like 40, 60, you know, when it comes to that. But the other side of the county was more 50 50. And I was like, do you remember? anything racist going on in our schools? They're like, no. I said, yeah, I said, exactly. We were more of a blended community, even though there was that little bit of segregation. Mm-hmm. I said, but now go when we move to a different community. How many black folk was in that community? None. How many, how many went to school with us? Like one. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I said, so you got to think about, man, like it's out there. It mm-hmm. is definitely out there and there's a reason for it. There's a reason why there's some community that's only white. Yep. You need to think about that. Like, as big as this 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 nation is, and as many people that populate it, if you go to a community, there's not a single black person that goes to school there, unless it's a private school for some reason. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I went to uh, Canyon High School. Right. 
and that was we had maybe five five black people think about that for a second yeah so we're gonna say there's only five black families in canyon around i don't know you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah, that's a good there's a reason why they didn't go to school there i'm gonna tell you that's, that's yeah. all got. there's a reason why their family yeah. didn't send them to school there i mean there's there was a they used to have a sign in canyon texas that would you know in words aren't welcome i don't know the exact verbiage right, right. but mm-hmm. something along those lines yeah. so i mean it's it's still being felt today no i, I definitely can see it yeah because I, when i go visit my my son in tennessee and that's that, that's I'm not, I'm not down in the community it's a very there's a lot of good people in the community but when I sit there and I look at the the high school football team or the, the softball team, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, there's there's two black kids mm-hmm. in one of the largest counties in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> right? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, means segregation is alive and well. It still is, and it's not by law; it's by choice because people aren't made be they're not felt or they're not being made to feel welcomed mm-hmm. or equal, yeah. so they're gone. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's why you. That's why you see people populate in Memphis or Atlanta, and play, because they're going to populate with people that make them feel welcome. They're going to yeah. go to their communities that they feel like they're going to get that. I've heard that, that love and support. Uh, I haven't been around the country a lot, but I've heard Atlanta is one of like the most desegregated. I love Atlanta. Major cities. Oh my gosh, that in Baltimore. I love. I love Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I love. I, like I, I know it sounds weird, but I can walk down uh, downtown Baltimore or down in the Inner Harbor, feel 100 percent safe, and meet just about any anybody of any race, creed religion or whatever mm-hmm. i love it like it's That's awesome it's beautiful i absolutely love it everybody moved to baltimore for 30 days <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. i considered it for a couple of different reasons but yeah ring of honor is there now so i was like yeah one all, right. all right next question if you could take a time machine to any point in your life past or future um what would you tell yourself what advice would you give yourself and where would you go <laughs> Break up after high school, stick with what you're doing. <laughs> you have lots of potential. Um, just skip weed and go straight to Coke. <laughs> that's a, you can edit that part out. That's a first. No, that's, no, that's, 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 that's the highlight of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> Why is your nose runny? Um, uh, man, this actually... The drip is real, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> this actually hit... Uh, this realization actually hit on my trip to Tennessee this past week. Uh, if I had joined and started training wrestling when offered to me, this year would have been my 10th year anniversary as a professional wrestler. Mm. I was a coach in high school football at McNary Central back in 2009, 2010. And uh, a guy named Don Bass, who um, was uh, like a Southern States legend wrestler, was running a promotion and he was training guys. He saw me. He came. Well, he once he he would always give uh one he would always give the coaches for the football team some uh, free tickets to come to the show, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the head coaches, Mike Jones, had already told me he was like, hey, you know, if this guy's probably gonna come around and give tickets. He's probably gonna try to get you to wrestle. Just take the tickets and go enjoy the show. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know independent wrestling was a thing. I really didn't. So Don Bass offers me. He sees me. He he liked my look. Um, mm-hmm. Here's this 22, 23 year old kid straight out of high school. I mean, was straight out of college football. Two hundred and forty pounds, looking like a, just a, a big thing of meat you know big sexy <laughs> man big, you know and like I had, a steak with an extra right. side of mashed potatoes i was just, i was thick <laughs> like i'm in shape now but then i was thick two like, c's like a fullback like because that's yeah. that's what i ended my career as a, as a fullback mm-hmm. so here's this thick kid you know he saw me bench pressing 315 for like a set of 10 and uh he's like boy you want to do some wrestling <laughs> i didn't know like what is this guy talking about trying to get and, me naked no and he, he, he <laughs> like man he offered to train me for free 
What flavor said, jello packets you have? He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he offered to train me for free. He said he saw something special in me. And uh, through just the conversations I had with my, my first wife at the time, I didn't take him up on it. Mm-hmm. And it hit me. I was like, man, this would have been 10 years. Man. I, w- I would go back to that day and I would have took him up on it. Because he's, he's dead now. He, he passed away. He was a very sick man. But mm-hmm. I would have took him up on it. And because looking at it, like this is four years, 437 matches in, and I'm pretty decent. I feel like I'm okay. And I've had this much of an opportunity after four years. Mm-hmm. Where would I have been? Yeah. And if I'd have been doing this for 10 years. And those words have stuck with you. So they were powerful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Ended up going that route. I did. He's like a fortune teller. Yeah. Actually, uh, before he <laughs> passed, before he passed, I'd actually messaged him and told him I'd gotten into the business. And he said, let me know when you're ready to work, kid. And then shortly after he passed away. Oh, man. Yeah. That's tragic. <clears throat> Rest in peace, sir. Yes, sir. He was a good man. All right. That was, that's mine. Nice. Mm-hmm. Next question. Um, don't remember what it is. Can you remember a time you laughed the hardest? <laughs> it happens pretty often at my house, man. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, what was it? What was it? I laughed so hard I called stomach crap recently. Oh, what was that? Oh, okay, okay, okay I got it. I really, yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I really got it. I love all art, all forms of art. I don't mm-hmm. care what what it is. And I've recently got into watching Dragula which is a, a drag queen show for like the like a, the horror style of drag queen. Mm. So I didn't know there was branches of drag queen. So this was all new to me. It's it's a show by the Belay Brothers. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It's just it's hilarious, but it's also very entertaining because there were some very talented people mm-hmm. on this show who just phenomenal with their makeup and their acting abilities. And there's times where you're 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 having to ask yourself, is that a man or yeah. is that a woman? Like they're that good, okay? Um, so there's one episode where this, uh, there's this uh, one from um, this one drag queen from Atlanta called Bitch Puddin. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually ended up following Bitch Puddin on um, Instagram because I became Thank such you. a fan. And they're doing a 1980s style Scream Queen um, episode where they have to dress up like a, uh, one of those girls from the 80s horror movies, slasher movies. So, the, you know, the big boobies and, and all this different stuff. He dressed up as, or she, it's so hard. They, bitch, bitch, pudding. Those. I'll just something <laughs> call Bitch, pudding dressed up as a, um, as the typical big blonde, blue eyed bombshell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, the scene was, um, bitch, pudding was, uh, was trying to start a fire out in the middle of the woods and couldn't get the fire started. So a camp worker or whatever showed up and was like, Do you need help? And Butch Pudding's like, Yes, I need you to handle. Handle this wood, or I can't remember the exact words. <laughs> and, oh, your grip is so strong. Oh, you mean the grip like this? And he grabs Bitch Puddin' by the throat. And Bitch Puddin's like, oh, yes, exactly like that. And, they, and, he, and the guy's like, uh, the killer's like, so you want me to choke you harder? Bitch Puddin's like, please, yes, a little harder. Harder, daddy. And the guy's squeezing harder, harder. And all of a sudden, Bitch Puddin' goes, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> I don't know oh. why. Like, Bitch Puddin' broke character, and I laughed so fucking hard. Like, I fell to the floor. My stomach was cramping. That's we watched hilarious. it, like, four more times afterwards. Wait, so it's not, like, a reality show? No, well, yes. It is like a reality a, show. Yeah. Um, for the sake of that, the competition for the elimination was who was going to have the best scene. Yeah. Oh. So they, they act these scenes out. Okay. Like, one episode, they did, yeah. like, a whole uh, music deal where they had to dress up like a hair band mm-hmm. and they did individual they always do individual first and then they do like a group thing and it's like how was your performance 
and then how was your makeup or how was your outfit? Like it's a combo. It's, it's a really cool thing. And, uh, so the performance that, that was a gag in the, the deal, like bitch pudding made a gag. Like, yes, I am a drag queen and I want you to know it. So I'm being very feminine with my voice and I'm doing all this. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I just start choking a little too hard. I'm like, fuck bro, let go. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I lost my shit. And I, I just crawled the floor. I cramped up and I, I watched it like three times and had the exact same re- reaction every time. And I knew it was coming. It was hilarious. That is hilarious. But yeah, watch Dragula. That is <laughs> like, you got to watch it. It is so entertaining. It's, it's mind boggling how at one, how talented these individuals are mm-hmm. and what they do. And two, it's just a whole new world, man. It's a I didn't know existed. I knew drag queens existed. We've been to a drag show and it was phenomenal. But that I didn't was know. A good time. <laughs> I didn't know this version of drag queens mm-hmm. existed. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently there's shows that strictly do horror. It's fun. I found my new entertainment pleasure. I guess. You might something you could get into maybe. I'm. I don't. I, I'm way too man. <laughs> these 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 uh, these drag queens are. Most of them. Now, I haven't watched season three. Season three seems to have some, some beefier individuals like myself. But this season two, most of them are very feminine. Do any of them have beards? Because um, that is a version of drag, too, where they, they mm-hmm. bedazzle their beards. There's one on there that wears a mask, matter of mm. fact. And uh, that drag queen actually has a has some scruff. Not a full-blown beard, but has some scruff. Because, yeah, I saw mm-hmm. um, they have, like, specific competitions for, like, bearded. Yeah, I've seen that, too. Drag ones. But this, this is a whole, like, they're a bit, like, some of this, they should be working in Hollywood at how good their makeup is when it comes to this stuff. And I'm just like, whoa. This yeah. is very impressive. Dragula. Very nice. Get Dragula. <laughs> Did you, uh, same, same answer? Uh, no. I, <laughs> I mean, I was laughing at him because of his reaction. Uh, the the hardest I've ever laughed, I think, that I can remember recently, anyway, was um, I wouldn't. I just moved in with Brad, and we didn't have any internet, but we were watching these Medea plays. Yes, and it's the first time I had seen the plays before. I'd seen the movies. I love them. I've never seen the play. Oh my god, they're so much better. Really? Because so, there's a lot of ad libbing that's not in the script, yeah. and mm. most of it's Tyler Perry messing with the crowd and messing with the stat. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's and Mr. Brown, whenever he comes in. <laughs> Brad Brad told me after the fact, but he's like, so no one behind the scenes knows what he's going to wear. He has a giant clothes rack, and he wears whatever he wants and doesn't tell anyone what it is. And just seeing him, I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember if it was like these really tight red pants it's or something It's always something else. super tight. This dude's super a bowling tight. ball with eyeballs. Yeah. That's, that's how he's built. <laughs> and just these out there colors. And I, he just comes in while I'm not expecting it. And I run on the floor and I'm laughing so hard that I'm coughing and choking. Like I'm trying to breathe. It took me like an hour to finally catch my breath after that because I just laughed so hard at it. <laughs> but great times. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got like a, what, four DVD pack with the yeah, plays on it. Get a lot of them. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great. That's how I was actually introduced to Medea was through the plays mm. and then the movie started coming out and Mr. Brown by far the Mr. I'm sorry the Mr. Brown in the plays is my favorite character mm. what they did with him on TV is great and all that, that him that's his real wife but they really TV'd him up and didn't give him that ability to um, kind of be himself I guess mm-hmm. that's what I love so much is you never knew what he was going to wear never once he he picks his own clothes last minute 
Nice. He's the only That's one exciting. that doesn't have a character design or anything. He just does what he wants with his character, and it's it's hilarious. His wife is on stage, and you, her reaction is the most pure reaction because she's like, "Oh my god, what do you got on?" And then all of a sudden, she's breaking laughing, and it's just it's phenomenal. It's and sometimes it gets Tyler Perry too. You'll see Tyler Perry have to walk away mm-hmm. in full Medea drag, just have to walk away like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it." <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I'm the one that runs the show, and I didn't know he did this. That's super funny. Yeah, I didn't even know they did plays. Very Man, cool. you got dude. Yeah. You, oh my! And they God. tour around the country with them too. They did. They wow. did. They did. They did. They. I think they. They halted the touring because the movies got so successful, mm-hmm. and Tyler Perry got his own production company. What I like about Tyler Perry is he. If you pay attention to the plays, you'll see some of those people in the movies. Mm. They may not be playing the exact character they played in the play, but they'll be in the movie somewhere. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of them. I, I, I have seen very few not get the opportunity unless yeah. they, unless it just didn't work out or something. He's probably got like a dozen movies. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> if it's a movie, it, it was a play first. Nice. Just about. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the newest Halloween ones might be an exception to that, but I don't know. Well, that, when Medea got so big, yeah. Medea, yeah. Like, once you, She's like her own force now. Yeah, he can just yeah. do anything he wants with her. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's funny is I knew a Medea growing up. It wasn't the exact Medea, but I knew a Medea mm. like that. Like, Hello. Yeah, she was, she was something else, man. Like She was wild. Shout out to my waitress at Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Surprise, Waffle House is still up and running. Good job, Waffle yeah. House. Thank Survive you, Corona. Waffle. Thank you, Waffle House. I thought Golden Buffet would definitely go down, but uh, is it Golden Golden Corral? Golden Corral. Yeah, I thought they were going to go under, but you can tell who likes buffets here and who doesn't. Right. They survived. <laughs> well, I said when we walked by because we, we left Arby's and the Golden Corral's right there. I was like, bro, we haven't had Golden Corral in a while because we eat it. We tear it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, oh, it's bad. Me at a buffet. Well, us at a buffet because I could buy myself at a buffet. I'll eat one or two plates. I'll get up and leave. Take me with a friend. I'm competing with you. Mm-hmm. We're eating. Nice. I don't care who you are. We're eating. So. Yeah. And then I'm miserable for the next four days. That's the thing, too. That's why I was like, maybe losing buffets wouldn't be a bad thing. Because all I do is <laughs> overeat cool. and hate myself. Just right. gluttons. <laughs> <laughs> None but glutton. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Final question. Six inches. Oh, nice. Yeah. Around. Most people don't like it that thick. Six inches round? How, how tall? How, how lengthy? I have, to sh- I have to measure the gnome. I'm not real sure. Okay. I have a gnome. Cool. That's fun. Pointy? Mm-hmm. Get the pointy hat gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Out in the garden. All right. Um, what do you think happens when you die? Oh, I was raised uh, Pentecostal, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Pentecostal. Not the not the like not the uh, Pentecostal that you associate with long dresses. Be we did have be some of the ladies had beehives, but not the ones where you like wore you could only wear dresses, and the mm-hmm. men always had to wear long. It was more of a very relaxed Southern Pentecostal Assembly of God, Church of God. Um, but I don't. I don't claim to be that label. I claim, mm-hmm. I claim to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, I claim to be a, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if this is a real thing, but it's just the way I'm going to word it. An open Christian mm-hmm. where like my fundamentals will always fall back on the Bible and the history of the Bible and um, that, that faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. It don't fall onto a certain denominator denomination yeah um but i'm open to learning about other um about other religions mainly out of curiosity but also because a lot of them kind of intersect yeah in I've many ways realized that too like i want to look at like hinduism and buddhism right things right like that and so that that makes me curious like how these how do these intertwine how these um how do these connect 
But with that said, I also want to say that there's a lot of stuff out there that I think people push that doesn't intersect or intertwine with any of the religions, mm-hmm. but they try to make them, mm-hmm. you know. So I feel like when, when you die, there is a, a specific place one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I just do. I, and that's not just that's not just from being a, a Christian that comes from a, a personal standpoint. Yeah. Where, like, I just don't feel like the soul just – I one, I don't think it feels like it roams the earth. That mm-hmm. that make it sound like we have a lost, a lost soul. Mm-hmm. It's just we're gonna roam the earth. So I feel like you're either gonna go one place or the other, and I think that's gonna be based on your heart and how you live your life. If you have a heart full of hate and a heart that is not uh, something um, positive, and you've lived a life of just just you know selfishness and pride mm-hmm. and just bad things, and you've never. Um, you've never tried to turn that around one way or the other. And I'm not going to say this like as a Christian, just as a person, but if you never try to turn your life around and live in more of a positive manner, then shouldn't there be a punishment for that? Perhaps. You know what I'm saying? So shouldn't, shouldn't that soul who, who lived a very negative life, Mm -hmm. who never gave anything back to society or to the world or to the people that it's, that it came in contact with, shouldn't that soul go somewhere negative? Maybe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a, but if but if a soul lived a a good life and had a good heart and gave back to society and did the best it could do mm-hmm. with true intentions, um, shouldn't that soul be rewarded? So, ideally, ideally, yeah. yeah. So in my mind, so there should be a place one way or the other, mm-hmm. and so I feel like yeah, when you die, there's a place you go, but it's not my place to tell you where your soul goes. Yeah, that's your responsibility. As a human, and mm-hmm. as, as 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 the carrier of that soul, it's your responsibility to ensure you end up one place or the other. Mm-hmm. So I don't. That's where I'm like, I care for you and I love for you. If you need me, I'm here for you. If you do something I don't agree with, and you give me that power to kind of help you, I'll try to guide you. But at the end of the day, it's your decisions, and there's mm-hmm. nothing I can do about it. And I'm not gonna hate you for it. But that's all on you. It's a great answer. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> and I, I'm saying that the way I'm saying it to be careful because I don't want people to think like, oh, he's pushing uh, a Christian uh, rhetoric on here because that's that's where I lean. Mm-hmm. I know you didn't come off that way, but I'm 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 <clears throat> using the soul aspect of things so that people kind of will understand like mm-hmm. in life now, if you do something bad, we are punished. Mm-hmm. If you do something good, we're generally rewarded. If that soul, the person that carrying that soul, and that soul continuously does these bad things and never tries to re- redeem itself, when that person dies and that soul lives on, should that soul, or I mean, should it go somewhere? Should it be punished? Mm-hmm. If it dies in in that fashion, I don't know, mm-hmm. or in that condition, not that fashion, but if it dies in a in a condition that's not so great, that's in a very bad place. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. For sure. So, no, I like to. So, yeah, I feel like you go somewhere. <laughs> one way or the other. I'd like to think it'd be like a DMT trip, but I haven't tried one of those yet, so I don't know. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, no, no, it really is. It's, uh, if I wish I had cameras, you could see me cut my head over. <laughs> I don't do, I don't do drugs, but I know someone that does. <laughs> Look, I really don't think drugs are bad. It's really just, uh, drug abusers and drug addicts give drug users a really bad name. Mm-hmm. I just you said know? I said used. I didn't say you abused. No, I'm. That's that's what I'm saying. Oh. 
but yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, not to interrupt, but yeah. from what I've seen, um, I've been watching this show called Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, mm-hmm. where he like studies psychedelics, and he like went to Mexico, and there's these uh, very religious people who see like mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, as like mm-hmm. a gateway to the like the spirit world to talking to God, and I've never really seen it from like a religious perspective. Right. But it was it was really it was really cool. Well, there's also before I let Jamie go, there's also to stay on that. There's also a lot of um, legends of native americans mm-hmm. that used um different herbs and whatnot and with their rituals and their dances and stuff that would open pathways to the spirit world mm-hmm. uh, even the greeks had stuff with the rituals and stuff that would open the gates of the spirit world and people yeah. could enter those gates and mm-hmm. um so i i don't know yeah i'm not educated enough to say yes or no yeah. but it's very interesting to study like For it's, sure. it's it's since the beginning of time there's always been something out there that says there is a spirit world mm-hmm. there is a there as there there's always been a good and bad of the spirit world and there's always been a good and bad place that the spirits go there's always been a way to communicate with the spirit world mm-hmm. who i mean i don't know yeah i mean growing up i always looked at like mushrooms acid things like that as like just purely recreation right and then like i'm getting older and i'm like this is ancient medicine like this is what people mm-hmm. have been doing yeah. like civilization's been doing to like you know help themselves help others it's crazy it's wild there's a lot of lost medicine and technology that i w- i feel like if if we had preserved it better throughout the times that our society would be a lot better if we mm-hmm. had especially with stuff like you know some of the stuff we consider drugs if if we would have kind of stuck to some of the ancient ways of how we treated those herbs and mm-hmm. mushrooms and things and our society would be a little better off yeah for sure so, maybe a little more relaxed <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe some some part of the cultures while they're going for contentment with what's happening they should be seeking enlightenment it's just kind of like that's kind of like how I saw it whenever it comes to those things hallucinogenics and things like that as far as death being concerned um, it's something I'm more familiar with than I think anyone should be. Um, and that's the big reason I got into my songwriting was the way that I dealt with it because, um, I had lost, uh, I, well, I started, I'd lost a child and then, um, uh, then I followed two months after that. And two months after my child, child dying, uh, lost about four or five family and friends just right off the bat. Everyone's falling off oh, and man. just popping off. Um, and so I just, I just went and did what anyone else would rationally do. I went into a deep depression and mm-hmm. I um, was just going around just trying to drink myself into a grave because I didn't care. You know, I drove myself crazy. I had a lot of just wild things. And you know what? Whatever it was, if it, if you snorted it or smoked it or did whatever else, I really didn't care because I didn't have really a cause or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with like my music specifically like I try to I try to convey that and I try to I try to help people with what I do and just like I'm trying to be a voice for people who you know haven't heard that before you know where it's like I understand I'm in this spot too but I understand that there's something more and I'm really just more focused on living a life than what's focused what what comes after you Mm -hmm. know um especially today being Father's Day, that it was it's it was really rough. 
Um, you know, I lost uh, two years ago in September 20th, I lost my child and then everyone else came along with it. And then um, on the two days after the first anniversary of, of losing them, uh, two days after that is when my father died. Oh, man. And I, uh, that, was, that was a whole big ordeal. Um, where I was going to try to get, I got a Greyhound to Dallas and was supposed to have a ride lined up to Paris, Texas. It was about 90 miles away. Uh, well, no one showed up, so I had to walk for three days and just, you know, walking in that blistering sun. Like, I I, I had a lot of things happen mentally, you know. Oh, man, like, it was yeah. like 105 degrees. Um, I got a couple rides every here and there, but, you know, for the most part, that's why I still wear these boots now. I, I literally bled a hole through them because it ate through the leather and my ankles are still scarred and I hope that they stay because it's just something that I understand experiencing through life and watching that you really get a full appreciation for for someone's whole life it's like their whole you know you're living and this is a message this is a story and my whole life has been filled with stories and understanding that there's always another chapter there's always something else mm. um, and I think in a lot of ways, I'm just trying to redeem a lot of the sins that I'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt like I was never enough or enough or I wasn't good enough, but I know I can do, I know I can help other people. And, you know, I, I, for the sake of like my, my child, like, yeah, I hope, I hope that it's living a wonderful life for all eternity and it's somewhere mm-hmm. nice and fantastic. I'd like to think that, uh, my friends and Fred and aunt and everyone else that's gone. I, I'd like to hope that they're happy and that they're enjoying themselves. And like, maybe I'm doing something to make them proud, but I, I don't know. I never really worried about myself. Mm-hmm. It's, I hope that they're happy, but as far as I'm going, I'm just going to live this life and you know, I'm doing good, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to do bad later because yeah. I am. And I'm not, you know, Morally, when it comes to those kinds of things, it's like, you know, uh, logic and rationale and those things, those are human, but is it actually for something else, you know? I'd, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably my favorite answer to that question, and it was more of a, less of a direct answer, but that was great. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks. It's been a great podcast. It has Thanks been for coming a long on. one, but it's going to be good. It has been a little long, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and sign off. Um, you can say any say anything you want to the mic. Just uh, just to sign off, say goodbye to everybody, whatever you want to say. Promote anything? Um, well, uh, I'm going to be busy working right now, but hopefully in the next couple of months, if you're in Amarillo on 6th Street, you can run into me and say hi. I'd be happy to buy a drink, or we'll just go one for one on rounds, and hopefully I'll be playing music. I'd love to – I just love to – that's my favorite part of like playing music is really getting to know the people afterwards, so – um, I'll be there. I'll be game. Just come say hi. We'll hang out. Where at on Sixth Street? Uh, Leftwoods, Marshalls Taverns, oh, Scooters. Okay. Yeah, anywhere. I bar hop. Like <laughs> I bar hops. It's like a bouncy ball. You just throw it, and wherever it just bounces. That's literally it. Like all yeah. my friends, I'll go in and I'll have a drink, and I'm like, "Hey guys, what's up?" And then I'm immediately. That's the last thing I say to them all night. But I say hi because it's like I want you to know that I appreciate seeing you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta go because there's other people I want to say hi to <laughs> also. But yeah. Very nice. All right. And I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, Absolutely. If anybody's uh, interested in following my professional wrestling career and the sprinkles of music and comedy and whatever else I decide to dip my fingertips in, you can follow me. The best place probably to follow me is Instagram, just at 
Brad Sanders, TX. Um, trying to find me on Facebook right now. I'm not taking any new friend requests because I'm getting a buttload, and I'm not sure why, but I'm just not accepting anybody on Facebook. Too so. cool right now. No, it's just <laughs> <laughs> with everything that's going on, I don't know who to add. and I, yeah. I don't have the patience to go and go through your profile and see who you are, and mm-hmm. it's not a disrespect thing. It's just if you really want to keep up with me, you only really want to do me a favor, you really want to uh, become a supporter or a friend of mine, follow me on Instagram at Brad Sanders TX. Um, and I'd really appreciate uh, appreciate you that way. And you can feel free to message me uh, on there. I'll get back to you ASAP. And again, man, hey, Matt, th- uh, thanks for having us on. This is a great opportunity for two local guys to get on here and kind of chit chat. And yeah, this was a lot of fun. I wasn't yeah, expecting yeah, this long, yeah. but it's great. It was long, yeah. I hope they enjoy it. That's the best. Yeah, I hope <laughs> they. I hope they do enjoy it. I hope they listen all the way through. Um, if not, break it up to two car it'd rides. Be cool so. if I had a larger platform, but you know, we're doing what we're we can. Doing what we can, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's perfect working fun. hard. Um, Marshall's Tavern, June 30th. We're starting an open mic, comedy open mic. Yeah. So if you're listening, go check it out. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>